It's Aldo Gandia with the Barroom Network, and welcome to Draft on Tap, our latest episode. And today was the day we were waiting for Ryan Poles to make a significant move, and he did just that by trading the defense's top player, uh, Khalil Mack. I was going to say arguably, but I don't think it's arguably. He's a top player, right? Maybe some people will say Roquan Smith or uh, somebody else, but uh, I think most people would say he's the top player, but he's no longer a Chicago Bear. He's going to the Chargers, and we're going to talk about that right at the top of the show. Plus, Neil Stopchinski and Danny Shimon have a handful of players to evaluate, so it's going to be a fun show, lots of stuff, and we, all of you folks uh, gathering now in the chat room, we want to hear your questions, your thoughts, and we'll interact with you. Let me introduce the guys. First up, uh, Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you? Hey, what's up, Aldo? Um, just a, been a quiet week, right? Not, not much news going on. You know, just, you know, kind of laying low, not have to worry about anything going on, distracting you. So That's right. Nothing going on at all. Um, you said before we went live that uh, Rob Manfred probably uh, was kicking yeah. himself, saying, what the hell? The NFL does it again to me. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I finally I ended the lockout. I, I, we kind of came to an agreement. Baseball is back. And next thing you know, it's Khalil Max traded. You know, you know, Aaron, Aaron uh, Rodgers going back to the Packers and Russell Wilson's traded. <laughs> NFL is king, guys. And, and he's on other, other sports are just trying to just battling for second place right now. That is right. And uh, here's a guy that is not battling for second place because he always comes in at the top. Neil Stopchinski, how are you, brother? Mind blown, man. News, <laughs> news, news. How about I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to be a really salty dude if uh, Notre Dame doesn't come back and pull us out, though. Got it on the background. Uh-oh. Give us, give us an update. Notre Dame uh, basketball team is trailing. Yeah, quarterfinal of the ACC tournament, down 81-75 with less than a minute to play. Um, started off just completely atrocious. So they've had a fight and claw their way back. It's bad news. Mm. Well, give us an update when you got one. Uh, hopefully it's a, it's good news. Uh, but we're going to have to talk about the Khalil <laughs> Mack trade. And already fans are gathering into the chat room and letting us know that <laughs> they are very disappointed. PJ saying he is butthurt about that Mack trade. Uh, King Pookie says he is crying, very disappointed. What about you guys? What do you guys think of, of this trade? Uh, Danny, I'll start with you. Well, actually, I was going to come on today and be like, you know, guys, I'm watching the, these these uh, defensive end prospects at the, uh, at the combine. I mean, there's a, a ton of edge, you know, rushing prospects. It all look good in terms of some of them fit the 4-3 uh, profile. Some have the, you know, a hybrid look in terms of they can stand up on their feet, you know, rush from a, in a two-point stance. Some can put their hand on the ground. And I'm like, I have a feeling that, that, that Ryan Paul, just kind of listening to what he says in terms of, they asked him at, at the combine in terms of, you know, you only have five draft picks. And he says, you know, you, that's, you, you know that's the hand I was dealt. I, you could tell like that he wasn't satisfied. He was trying, he was going to try and make some moves and try and acquire picks, whether it was trading down from the second, uh, 39th pick and getting more picks or 
you know, moving some veterans. And I had a feeling that, that either Mac or, or Quinn was going to go. I thought it was going to be Quinn just because I, I thought his contract might, might have been easier to go ahead and, you know, trade away. He was coming off an 18 and a half sack season. You know, I, you know, Dallas, it might be, you know, cut Randy Gregory. So that might be something, a team that might be looking to bring him back. Possibly, I was just thinking of, of different possibilities. And lo and behold, the, uh, the Khalil Mack trade happens today. So, um, disappointed. I, I understand, you know, PJ's, uh, you know, um, uh, angst there and, 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 uh, and, um, and disappointment, but, uh, you know, it, it, he was a guy coming off, it was going to be 30, right. And if I had the numbers correct, he was going to make 30 million this year uh, on the books. And I think, you know, playing a guy coming off an injury, we, we, you know, he hasn't really had, you know, these last two seasons, he's been injured. Uh, he missed, obviously missed, uh, you know, a big portion of last year, most of the year with that, with that foot injury. So 30 year old pass rusher, uh, making 30 million, you know, uh, what, what the, what this happens now is, is they, they go ahead and they, they, you know, uh, um, the, the chargers are taking all the contracts. So, so the bears are going to have 24 million of, of dead cap money this season, but, but then they're going to gain 6 million. And then next year they're going to get a whopping 24 million uh, dead cap money free up there. So that's gonna, that's something that, you know, a young team, you know, you, you're going to go ahead and try and unload. My only disappointment and question was the only got a, a two this year and a six next year. And I understand Von Miller, the Rams, you know, gave up a two and a three, but the Broncos paid about nine million, million of his contract. But still, I just thought for a guy like Khalil Mack, you know, even injured, you know, he had six, seven sacks last year and, and a handful of games. So I think, you know, once healthy, this guy can be productive. Now, you know, opposite of Joey Bosa there with the Chargers, you know, I, I don't think he's ever had someone that talented across from him. So I think Mack, if healthy, is, is going to produce, you know, Mack type of, of type of play. So I think just getting a, a two and a six, I'm, I'm a little disappointed in the overall return. The the actual, you know, um, the move makes sense because uh, I, I thought one of the two were going to go either, you know, him or, or Quinn. Um, you know, disappointed, yes, because obviously it means that the Bears are probably, you know, heading towards a somewhat of a, of a retooling, not a rebuild, kind of a retooling. Um, so interesting to see what, what the, what the steps are, but I, I did say last week as well, they only had two picks in the top 100 and this is a draft that's, it's more so going to be it's uh, known for its depth in, in the, you know, late days two and days three. Now they have with this, this draft, they, with this trade, they have three picks in the top 100. So now you're talking about potentially adding another starter there. So you're looking at maybe you know, a linebacker, right? a defensive lineman. And, and I think, I think just kind of listening to what polls has been saying, over, you know, the last couple couple of weeks. I think he's going to concentrate on the offensive and defensive line. And I think that's, that's something you guys all know. That's my bread and butter. If a team is, is good up front, both offensively on the line and defensively, you're going to have a solid team. And I think that's a foundation to build. And I think that's where he's going to concentrate on. Yeah. Uh, you know, the thing about it is, is you're talking about a guy that, and I, I said on another show this week, we're talking about a guy that has not been available. He's been busted up. He's aging, kind of declining. Um, has been on the injury list for eight different ailments since 2019. Uh, you can't depend on the guy anymore, especially for the amount of money that you're paying him. All right. That, that's, that's a massive problem. Um, I wasn't expecting to get anything for the guy, to be honest with you guys. I wasn't expecting to, I was expecting him to play out the rest of his contract and then go about his merry way. And polls figure out a way. Uh, I've always said, like, you know, there's certain things that you don't do in the NFL and paying for busted up aging and declining is one of those things that you don't do. And polls figure out a way to get the charters to go ahead and do that. So uh, I don't know, maybe somewhere in, in Chicago right now, uh, Foles and AK are, you know, slapping hands and drinking beers right now because, you know, we got two GMs that are doing some crazy things and doing them the right way and, and figuring out a way to uh, maximize the resources that were left with them. Um, 
But, uh, you know, hopefully Mac has a, uh, a little bit of a resurgence. Hopefully he does get healthy. He hasn't been since 2018. Um, we saw, you know, a very limited amount of, you know, playmaking ability from the guy. And it made us all happy and excited. And, you know, we, you know, clanged steins and slapped hands and everything else, sang songs and, and bars around Chicago, celebrating a, a massive defensive playmaker that we haven't seen the likes of since probably Richard Dent. But, um, you know, I, I think I, I like the, the return, to be honest with you guys. I like the return because, like I said, I didn't think we we're going to get anything back. And now we have three picks in the top 100. Pace went ahead last year and sacrificed a pick for a guy that was healthy for a whole four weeks in 2021. So we're already, you know, making moves there. Um, I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I'm not upset about it. We're getting returns. We're figuring out a way to retool this roster. We're getting rid of a bloated contracts with no return. We're getting rid of aging players. Um, hopefully Eddie Jackson's next because, you know, let's be honest guys, the, the safety room is absolutely bare right now. The guy doesn't bring anything to the table. So, <laughs> I don't mean to bang on a Jackson like that, but uh, you know, we got to make sure that we have playmakers on the field, not just guys, you know, taking the checks. The, the one thing I will add for everyone who's, who's disappointed, right. Is, is remember Mac, you know, they're going to a four, three. So, the, you know, the, mm -hmm. they're, they're going to have two hands in the ground defensive ends. And I understand Mac was an all pro with the Raiders at, at both defensive end and outside linebacker, but that was a, I was a much younger Mac. I was, I was a guy not coming off of, you know, uh, two back to back, you know, injury plague season. So again, a guy at, at that age, uh, Neil mentioned some diminishing returns, uh, not all his fault. When, when a guy is fully healthy, I think he's still a very, very capable, very uh, big-time threat there on defensively. So I, I'm not saying that the guys can't play anymore and, and, and that, that the Chargers got robbed by the Bears. I'm just saying that that for what they were going to pay him, $30 million on, on, on the salary cap for a, for a guy that was going to probably be playing out of position in a defense that may not have suited him, you know, ideally, um, I, I think that uh, they got what they could for him. At this moment, I, I, I'm also surprised and disappointed. They only got a two and a six, maybe a two and a four, two and a three. Same thing what they got for for Von Miller. Uh, but again, it's, it, we talked about the Mac being not not available, two coming off two injury filled seasons, a big contract. They're paying all of it, you know, basically. So um, I think that's why the, the 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 returns were diminished. But now it's just you know you move on. Remember, you know, um, Travis Gibson got seven sacks last year, guys, in, in, in a limited you know playing time. So I mean, he's a guy that shows some promise. He is a, a hand-in-the-ground right. defensive end, the type of defensive end that the uh, Matt Eberflus defense wants, a 4-3. And now you're going to probably add another young guy out of the draft or maybe uh, you know, a young free agent uh, to bring in kind of in the mix, have a, have a three-headed rotation there. So um, we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. But you know, I think getting three top 100 picks is, is vital and crucial because now you have at least three guys that can come in and potentially be, you know, vie for, for starting positions on, on this team. Yeah, I, you know, I'm with you guys. I don't think that we should be crying about this. I, this was the most, uh, the, the path that I wanted this general manager to take the most, which is a complete rebuild. And yes, it would have been nice to get more, uh, more picks or, or, or higher than a six round pick in 2023. Uh, but nonetheless, this is this is a move that signals that we are going to do a complete rebuild and you need draft assets to do that and you need free agent dollars to do that and those were two things that the bears were sorely lacking before the start of today and so now there's more money to play with to pick up some young free agents and help 
with the rebuild. And there's a second round pick. And as Danny has said, these are three picks in the top 79, I believe. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. th that's uh, outstanding to have when you have such a deep draft. Daniel Jeremiah has been saying that after the middle of the first round, there are guys late in the first round that are going to be picked, that are going to be on the draft boards of some teams that are third round picks, maybe even fourth round picks, because it is so such a rich draft. And then, so I wouldn't mind seeing the Bears make another deal. Eddie Jackson, bye-bye. Let's pick up another pick in that top 100. And if you can have four picks in the top 100 and in this draft, it would be great. And so the argument is, okay, so who are you going to replace Khalil Mack with? Who are you going to replace Eddie Jackson if he's, if he's traded? Again, this is a deep draft, and so you could find gems. This uh, scouting department is now on the clock. Hopefully they'll find the players uh, that can fill in the void and help with uh, the rebuild. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm excited about the trade. I'm not uh, disappointed. I would have liked to have seen Mac and Quinn have a full year together, but then again, when's the last time Mac played a full season? Uh, so, you know, there's no telling what would have happened to him in 2022. If he would have started opposite uh, Quinn at that defensive end position, maybe he would have played just another six game regular season. I wish him a lot of luck. He offered uh, Chicago ba uh, Bears fans a lot of thrills. But as Patrick Finley tweeted out, his best game was his first game with the Chicago Bears on that Monday night. Uh, opener against the Green Bay Packers when he made his debut about 10 days after being acquired. After that, it was sort of downhill. Not to say that he didn't have some great games after that, yeah, but right, that was his that. best performance. I mean, he had some he had some tremendous games in that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that Lions game where, where he basically, I'm drawing a blank on, on the tackle now for, for Detroit, where he basically walked him, you know, he had him nightmares. I mean, that, that guy was just walking him back into the backfield. Matthew Stafford had no chance to throw the ball. I remember that the, the game against the Packers. Where they clinch a division at, at Soldier Field, where he's he's literally being held and, he's, and he and he falls backwards and he sacks Aaron Rodgers. I mean, mm -hmm. Cleo Mack is, is a hell of a player. You know, you know, if you study the tape, you break him down, you see that the guy draws you know double teams, triple teams. There's times there are two offensive linemen are blocking him, and still there's still a, a tight end there chipping him away too. So he's a guy that, that draws attention. But yeah, the, you're right. Although the the injuries, you know, uh, John Fox said, you know, the best ability is availability, right? If you're not on a football field every week, week in and week out. You know, I mean, no matter how great you are, you know, the, the team misses you and, and it's something that, that your, you know, your value to the team drops, you know, so I think that's, that's got to do with it uh, along with the age and all that stuff. I don't know if it's going to be a total rebuild, right? I, I, no, I, I understand what you mean in terms of, you know, they're going to clear out. I think I, I agree with you guys. Um, this is not the final guy that's going to go. Obviously, you know, I think Eddie Goldman, I think has a target right now on his back. And I think he's a guy that they could probably free up some more cap dollars there. Uh, Cody Whitehair, I think, could could be a guy that could be released as well, depending on how much the cap savings you know come there as well. Because uh, I think I think Ryan Poles, like I said earlier, I think Ryan Poles is on a mission to redo the offensive line and redo the defensive line. And I think he, he's gonna he's gonna make sure that, that these two units are the are the strength of this team, and then then build from there, right? Uh, so I, uh, Neil, you and I talked about last our last show in terms of you using that that 39th pick on a safety. I'm like, you know, why would you want to use a on a third layer? I did not say I want to use 39 on a safety. Dax I Hill. said use a third round pick on a safety. Dak, you said Dax Hill from Michigan. You wanted him at that 39th pick. You wouldn't mind it if he was there. And I'm saying at that point, for your third line of defense, when you when your defensive line's got holes in it and you know a whole new front and a whole new defensive front with a whole new scheme, you know, you have a lot of holes there. You got to fix that first. And that's that's what I was trying to, you know, trying to try to um indicate there with you on that on that particular pick. So 
you know, we'll, we'll see what happens next. Like I said, Eddie Goldman, I think will be next. Uh, I'm not sure about Eddie Jackson, but um, you know, Cody Whitehair, I think could, could be someone that could also, you know, either be shipped out or, or possibly even re just flat out released. We'll see what happens. What do you think about this question that's posed by the factor? Uh, would you, how would you feel if the Bears also traded Robert Quinn, who would have some trade value, maybe a third round pick uh, you could get for Quinn, who has a his last year of his contract, so it's not a big burden for any team to fill. Or would do you think that it's necessary to have Robert Quinn on the roster this year, so that way you can have a respectable defense? Well, I'm, I'm telling you, this this is a defense that's predicated on that front four get, getting pressure. We, you know, no Akeem Hicks, no Khalil Mack, and now you get rid of Robert Quinn. You're you're asking a lot, right? I mean, you can scout and bring in all these guys. As I think someone put on the chat, you know, guys like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, pass rushers do not just grow on trees, guys. How long did it take for the Bears to go and, and, and get a guy like Mack to come in here and be a you know a close to double digit sack guy, right? So you know, it, it's I understand we're we're now you know if if the value if they come back, someone gives you a crazy offer and says, oh, we'll give you a late first round pick, early second round pick for a guy like Robert Quinn. I mean, you have to consider it. You'd be you know foolish not to consider it. Uh, but then now you got to talk about all right, how am I going to replace this production, especially on a defensive front that that. The, the main thing, you know, is, is that those front four guys causing pressure, right? So are, are you going to be able to hit on those all four of those picks if you get another top, you know, another top 100 pick? That'd be great. But, you know, chances are you're, you're probably not going to hit on all four of them. So that, that's, that was me, my only concern on, on a defense that's predicated on, on the front four, you know, creating havoc and pressure and getting in, up into the backfield and his shooting those gaps. You, you, you lose your, your other top pass rusher, you know, then you're going to be hurting for a pass rush, I think. Well, that end, he's yeah. built for what we want as a defensive end. You know, he's a he's more of a hand to ground guy as an edge rusher. So he, I mean, in, in terms of fit, you don't get rid of that guy, even though he has value. You don't want to put that kind of pressure on your on your scouting department, also to rebuild all those holes, like Danny said. I mean, I, I would I would not be for that whatsoever. Uh, the only thing is, like, if they come with a. a, a an offer that you just blows your mind. I mean, you got to do it, right? I mean, like you said, although said you're you're somewhat of of a, of a rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, mode here. You want to get you know some some cap savings for the future, probably not this free agent class, but definitely for next year's free agent class. And when does that cap money, the the new TV deal kick, kick in? Is that next year? Or is that two years? I, I forgot. No, next year in 2023. So, so if next year, all right? So you got that new money coming in. You got max 24 million dollar dead cap money coming off the books. And, and if you you know if you get Quinn's money off the books and whoever else is off the books, you're going to have a huge opening in terms of, you know, of cap cap dollars and availability to go out there and, and basically redo, you know, your team. So you also have to think for the future, you know, you know, you know maybe they've thought about it. They've looked at the roster and, and they've said, you know what, we, we have limited amount of talent here, you know, for our defense, for our, how we want to build this organization, you know, we're going to have to just kind of, kind of retool and let's go ahead and just take our lumps this year. And then next year with, with, with a boatload of cash, and, and some more some more picks because remember if they don't if they go on shopping in that two, second or third tier of free agency and they lose guys like Akeem Hicks guys like Alan uh, Allen Robinson you know they're probably gonna end up getting a, maybe a comp pick or two as well so you're gonna add to that treasure trove of, of draft picks and then there you go and that, now you have a nice nice way of kind of rebuilding this this team on the fly. Don Burr says so is Fields yes so is Fields poses guy are you sure about that I would say that uh, they're going to evaluate. Uh, Justin Fields in 2022, and then by the end of the season, they will make a decision as to whether that should be the quarterback moving forward. Is he really the franchise quarterback? And will they have an opportunity? If not, will they have an opportunity in the draft or via free agency to improve on that position? So 
2022 is an important year for Justin Fields. I'm not saying that he has to put Hall of Fame numbers in year two, but he definitely has to show that he's not making the same mistakes over and over again. The most, the the biggest thing that I was disappointed with with uh, Justin Fields and his rookie season is that he made mistakes over and over again, like fumbling the ball when he was advertised as a guy who doesn't, who learns from mistakes and doesn't do them again. So that's something that he has to improve. If he does that, and and has a uh, a decent year as a quarterback, I would say, yeah, he's going to be Poles' guy. What do you guys think? What, was that Don Burr who asked the question? Of course it was Don Burr. Don, uh, <laughs> Instigator. Don, Don this, this is my opinion, and I think, yes, he is Poles' guy, and I'm just basing it off of what, and I understand now, is that, you, know, you, you don't believe everything these executives say nowadays in these interviews, but just kind of seeing in, in multiple interviews where he lays praise on, on Justin Fields. Now, he's, he hasn't come out there and said he's the – end all be all of all quarterbacks and all that stuff. But he's, you know, there's areas of in, in, for him to improve. The one thing that I will kind of come back at you, although in terms of, you know, fields, not, you know, not improving when he makes mistakes, I, you know, we worked the tape down here, you know, week, week in and week out. And there were times where you saw in, in that Cleveland game where he missed guys, he, he didn't go through guys. And then later on in the season, you saw him improve and get that, get better there. That now, is true. The, the ball, the fumbling thing. Yes. That is something he needs to work on. Ball security is, is, you know, predominant here. You, you have to maintain the football. You got to secure that football. And and whether you're in a pocket or whether you're, you're running with the ball, he's got to secure it. That's something he has to work on. I do agree with you there. But I just think what they're going to try and do now is, is hopefully build the offensive line and I'll build some some playmakers around him and now let him grow into with this system, with, with Luke Getze, with this offensive staff, and let, let's see how it goes from there. But I I believe that, that Ryan Poles, you know, that he believes that, that, that Justin Fields is going to be his starting quarterback. Yeah, and I agree with Donald here. The, the the we will make a determination on this deal, whether it was a good one or not, depending on two or three things. Number one is how is Khalil Mack going to play in 2022? If he goes out there and has a near 20 sack season, then we're going to be crying. And no matter almost no matter who we draft. Plus, who is going to be that second round draft pick? Plus. Don't worry about the 2023 six-round draft pick is how are you going to use those dollars, those free agent dollars that have now been freed up? Who is he going to acquire? And is he going to hit with those free agents? Because if he does, and he does hit with the second rounder, then all of a sudden, yeah, we won that trade. But it's going to take a while. But even if Matt goes out there and has 20 sacks, remember, he's playing across the Joey Bosa, guys. He's going to have a, a talented <laughs> yes. defense out there and, and that's the, the Chargers, right? So, very, I mean, he might, he might have a great year next year. But it's like he's right. If Poles hits on those draft picks, if Poles then takes that salary cap money and he makes smart decisions with that money and he builds this team back up to a division contender within a year or two, th- that's a win-win for both teams. Hmm. Or if Matt plays five games, like he has been for the past three seasons. <laughs> Obviously, it's a. It's That's a game why game you take whatever you, you get for know. the guy because if he's not available, then he doesn't have any value. But to their point, where you're saying is, if he goes and plays, you know, 17 games and he has 20 sacks, now you think all, all you got him was four was a second and a sixth. You know, the, the Chargers stole him. That's mm-hmm. that's where you got to come back and say, well, this is what I use a second round pick for. This is what I use the, the cap dollars for, and then you evaluate the trade and say, all right, now we see how this could be an even or or, or you know one team or the other one to trade. 
What do you think about what Tareen asked here? Uh, how big of a deal is it that Fields is tweaking his uh, throwing motion? I had, actually had not seen that report. I have not but... seen that either, Tareen. I've not seen it either. I, I know there's the, all of a sudden now there there's I don't know if it's it's people on Twitter or where I've seen these these things saying about about Justin Fields and his throwing motion. Uh, all I gotta say is last year he threw one one pick six that was returned out by Rashad Douglas, and I think that was, that was just a bad read. Uh, you know, I don't see corners really breaking on his on his on his ball, and and, and just because of reading off of his, his throwing motion, um, you know, there are some some funky motions throughout. You know, uh, the NFL. You know, Philip Rivers had one of the ugliest, looked like it was shot oh putting the football down the football field, and and you know what, it worked and it was effective. So as long as the, you know the defense is not getting a read on it and getting a jump on that football and, and making plays on the ball, whether pick sixes or intercepting or knocking that knocking the ball down, you know, pass breakups, then I would not I would not touch him now. If you go on and you see now, you know, defensive backs are, are timing it based off of his, his release, and you think that's a bit slow, it's slowing down his release. Then you start looking into his mechanics and start, you know, you know, uh, speeding it up and, and trying to fix it. I know it's it's a big windup, which is what the, the big concern is here with the, with his throwing motion. So um, until that that's proven by NFL defenses that that's an issue, I, I wouldn't touch his his motion right now. Yeah, what what did you think of the throwing motion for Justin Fields? Do you think it was a problem? In terms of mechanics, if you shorten it, that, that's the only thing I would fix. I, you know, he, he's shown that he can execute with the, the type of motion that he has right now. The ball jumps from his hands. It's a ton of velocity. Um, it, it's a little bit long. Yeah, and that, that was one criticism that I had of him on the show last year uh, for, the, for the better part of the year when we were breaking down Justin Fields on essentially what it felt like every single show, as we talked about quarterbacks on every single show. But, uh, you know, th those, are, those are things that are easily coachable. You know, shortening up your throwing motion, not taking as long to get the ball out as, as an easily coachable thing that doesn't mess a whole lot with your timing. Just a matter of just slight tweaks here and there. We're not completely reinventing the wheel here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's unfortunately one of the things that uh, makes things a little tougher for Justin Fields because when Aaron Rodgers came into the National Football League, he had to revamp his throwing motion. But he was able to do it while riding the bench and allowing Brett Favre to be the mm -hmm. starting quarterback. Justin Fields, unfortunately, was thrust into the starting role because Bears general managers, for some reason, think that guys like Andy Dalton and uh, Nick Foles can be starters above a promising young quarterbacks and don't re have been drafting. They've been drafting quarterbacks without having a legit one number one quarterback. You know, it's like they're behind other teams, you know, kind of look ahead. But it, it is what it is. I uh, I think uh, I have enough confidence in Justin Fields to ensure that he realizes that he's got that looping, long uh, throwing motion. And it, it wasn't consistent. It, it, you know, it was sometimes where he, it, he didn't have that loop and he just got rid of it. So I was, I'm sure it's something that he's he's aware of and is going to be working on. And so I'm glad that he's he's working on it. Hopefully with, with uh, the new uh, quarterback coach, uh, Janowski, I believe his name is, uh, because I'd love for him to be getting information from one major source, and that should be his quarterback coach and not from uh, different people. We, I think we saw that with Mitch Trubisky. It didn't help him a lot that there were a lot of people in his ears. I believe that uh, collectively a, a bargain that they cannot – coaches cannot coach him now until, oh. I think, April, until OTA start. So I think okay. if he is working on his motion, It's it's got to be with his own personal coach. Oh, OTA has to be made, wouldn't good. it? Is that uh, the draft? Usually after the draft. Oh, I'm sorry. They're yeah. they're in uh, 
May, June, yeah. May, yeah. Sure, June. I think April, May. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Hey, guys, uh, before we get into the, the players that you selected for us to do evaluations on, I want to get some general thoughts from you about the NFL scouting combine. Uh, four days, there were some electrifying performances by certain players. I asked Greg Gabriel on a Monday show that they juice up the track because every time I looked out, looked up on Sunday, uh, the defensive backs, everybody was running a 4-4 something, 4-4 something, 4-4 something. I'm like, did they speed up the track? But he said, absolutely not. This is a result of the training that's going on, the 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 the, the fact that these guys are training for 40-yard dashes, training for these drills and so forth. It's not real football that they're playing, and so you're just seeing the results of, of that kind of training. But nonetheless, I just want to get your thoughts. I'll start with you, uh, Neil. Any players uh, at the scouting combine that really impressed uh, the heck out of you? Man, the, the list is endless. I, I think these guys, uh, they, they figure out the cheat codes. You know, like the, the, the old school <laughs> Nintendo, up, down, up, down, A, B, A, B, left, right, uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was absurd, man. The, you know, four fours left and right, back to back to backs. The the, the splits on the big guys, mm-hmm. sub one seven fours and sub one sevens. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just it, it was it, it was ridiculous. Uh, I, I think we had on, on that first day the wide receiver set a record for. It, it was originally blown out of the water. The record was blown out of the water for amount of guys that ran sub four four. It ended up being eight guys, which beat the record by one. But I mean, it, it was just it was just ridiculous. It's, it's way too many guys to to really just sort of like you know center on. But I mean, in, in general, he had a lot of fast guys at wide receiver. He had a lot of fast safeties. The cornerbacks sort of underwhelmed me in terms of the, of their their speed and you know overall agility. Uh, did really well in drills though. There there's some guys that uh, you know in in a couple shows. Um, I'll, I'll definitely be focusing on coming out of that draft. Uh, the linebackers are really interesting. But I mean, you, you talk about the guys in the trenches, the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, the defensive ends. Um, I mean, I what, so what, what can you say? Do I, was so excited. I was so excited because I'm like, these are the guys that the Bears need. The Bears exactly. Need offensive and then, and everyone one by one. I'm like, I have a list of guys here, all defensive linemen, offensive linemen mm-hmm. that, that just, you know, intrigue me. I'm not like, like, especially with the, with the way the Bears are going to go ahead and alter their, you know, their, their blocking scheme, go with that more of that stretch wide zone, you, you know, athletic offensive linemen. You see that, you know, if you want power gap guys, you see that. You know, if you want a defensive lineman, you want, you know, defensive tackles, interior guys that can, that can rush the pass. You see that guys that can just, you know, stack and shed and, and, and block lanes and take up blockers. You can see that as well. And, and then the edge guys were really, uh, some of them were, were, were outside linebackers. So it might not be a, a nice scheme fit here, but just guys with, with, with springs and, and just being able to just do it. They can, they can get to the quarterback. It really, really was exciting to see. No, absolutely. And you, you, you talk about some of these offensive linemen too. I, I keep saying all the time, like that, that, that first drill that they put these guys through once we get through testing, the wave drill is what they call it now. It, it's, it's called like, you know, 35 different things throughout the course of history, but they call it the wave drill now. Test the guys, you know, uh, uh, you know, lateral ability. Uh, whatever is underrated, we didn't talk about it too much, was that motion once you get up off to your feet, is it, you, is it sections or is it sort of one reactionary movement? Very underrated. They don't talk about it too much, but that really tests a lot about the, the guy athletic ability right there to where, you know, if, if you're laying flat on your back, limbs straight on, on, on the ground, how many movements does it take for you to get from there to your feet? And a lot of these guys at 300, 330, 340, you know, pounds were doing this in essentially one easy motion. And I, you know, not that I've never seen that before. I've obviously seen that before being a scout as long as I have, but that many guys on the same surface on the same day doing it over and over and over again 
it was absolutely absurd. I mean, it, it was it was a fun four days worth of of just athletic absurdity to watch. And the one thing with the offensive linemen is, is they kind of changed the, the the drills, right? There there was a couple of them where where they it's, it's the uh, where the the the, the guard. Uh, the center of the guard, they down block, and then the, the other offensive lineman kind of loops around mm-hmm. and comes in. And these have pads, and you can hear, you can hear them popping the pads and 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 pushing that coach back. And and they took it away. They took away the pads. They just kind of did. I the wish you brought the pads back. I, yes, because I want to know how strong of a hands does a guy have. You Correct. can hear when they, when a guy pops the pads, if he's got strong hands or not, heavy hands. Exactly. And that's a key thing in in, in terms of what I like to know. And off my offensive alignment is can he rock you back with his with his hand, you know, when he shoots his hands into your chest. So I think that was something that they took away. I'm, I'm not sure if it's because of COVID or just safety protocols. I'm not even sure nah. what the reason was, but I, I, that's something that I was a little bit disappointed on in terms of, you know, why they don't they didn't have that uh, um, in there anymore. But I did like the fact that they split up defensive tackles and defensive ends. Um, linebackers and then uh, also uh, corners and safeties. You know, these guys aren't running together. They aren't doing the same drills together. You can kind of differentiate between guys and kind of picture them differently in drills and all that stuff. So, you know, when you see a safety run a 4 7 2, and then all of a sudden a corner comes and runs a 4 3, you know, I don't like seeing, I like seeing all the, the position yeah, right. groups do the, their drills at one time and I like to see the corner do a drill at the same time. So that, that was something I did like. But yeah, I mean, the talent, the athletic ability. Yeah, you know, I've been down with with the Michael Johnson training camp, and these guys train year round. They train specifically for these drills, right? They mm-hmm. train for to run that forty time. You know, they're, they're you know they're they cut down some of their weight. They're they're not doing football typical football drills. They're doing track, you know, uh, sprint, you know, uh, uh, relay, uh, you know, drills stuff like that to be able to get faster, get more spring. You saw them warming up uh, before they they ran. Those are all, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, track star, you know, kind of, uh, you know, uh, warm ups and all that stuff. The, 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 yeah. the quick motion, which stuff. Yeah. All that stuff. So, uh, and then, so that's why, that's why, the, so the turf is not getting faster. You know, they're, they're all running the Aldo Gandia 4440 now because of the fact that they're training <laughs> year round and, and they're, and they're just, they're just getting, you know, just better trained, better conditioned athletes. That's all they're doing. We're in a new era of athlete boys. Uh, we, we just got to understand this. Like we're going to be, we're going to keep seeing this year after year after year. The time is going to get better, they're gonna get faster. They're going to get quicker. They're going to, and you know the thing about this started probably about 10, 10 or so years ago when it sort of become or it sort of became sort of like a niche thing to have a speed coach in your program. And we, when I was at Northwestern, we had a speed coach in our program, and we were one of the first to have that. And the guy came in on Tuesdays, and it, he he brought in you know groups of players like one one once a week, and each group of of, of players probably twice a month went went through speed training. And they do these different kind kind of like skips and stretches and and you know quick burst drills and everything else. Like this isn't just a let's go ahead and train for a few months after our football season, get ready for the combine type of thing. This is this is stuff actually happening within the program now. And then a lot of schools have taken that and and actually hired speed coaches within their programs now. So now you have a full time guy dedicated to making sure guys are, are are looser, twitchier, faster, looser, you know, uh, you know, quicker. All those different types of things. It's it, we're, we're in a new age, man. I'm so glad that I can multitask because I'm listening to you guys, and then I'm also keeping an eye on what's going on in the chat. And there's so many interesting conversations. I think this show draws some of the smartest Chicago Bears fans out there. Let me uh, share with you a couple of thoughts and a couple of questions. Let me start with uh, Cliff Victoria. You know, there are a lot of speculation uh, about, you know, who's who's going to get drafted, where they're going to get drafted and so forth. But then Cliff brings up this interesting question. He says, the Bears could do something crazy and use their two number twos to move up for a guy like Chris Olave. What do you guys think about 
you know, I know uh, Danny's right away thinking, oh, no, I don't want to trade draft assets. But Chris Olave, what did he do over at the combine? He ran like a four. Four, three, I think four, three, four. Unbelievable. Three. And he's just I love, teammate. I love Chris Olave as a, as a prospect. I, if he's if he's on the 39, he's a guy that I would target and, and bring now. But you're not going to trade two of these picks to move up into the first round to get a receiver. You have a, a, a draft that's, that's got some deep receiver talent. You know, it's got things you want, speed and, and guys that got some quick twitch ability guys that can make things happen in the open field. So again, a lot, I love Alave. I, I would take him on the bears anytime, any day, but I just would not trade up use. We just talked about how valuable it is to have three of the top 79 picks in this draft because of the depth in this, in this draft. And you have a, you have an offensive line, a defensive line. You get, you're going to have to uh, probably retool here. Um, you are going to draft a receiver, most likely probably bring in two, two veteran or free agents as well. Uh, but I, you know, if, if he lost, if a lot of drops to 39, bam, I, I would take him again, depending on who the offensive lineman or defensive lineman is available there to kind of go off of, but, uh, to trade both picks to go up in the first round, I, I wouldn't do that. The only thing I would do is, is if that was, if, if, uh, if one of these stud left tackles drops for some reason, right. You know, uh, Neil, you can tell us about, uh, gross from, um, from Mississippi state, you know, he's a guy that, that I've seen him anywhere between the, the middle of the first round cross, uh, cross. sorry, cross from uh, middle of the first round to the top of the first round. I've seen him even late in the first round, you know, is he a guy athletically, he looks great, right? Size, speed, all that. So he's got that, you know, is he a guy that if he drops in the you know, bottom of the first round, is that guy you, you package two second round picks to go up and get and, and solidify that position? You know, you've seen him up front, you know, what do you, what do you think of him? Uh, I love the kid. And, you know, I, I posted on uh, Twitter about it on the day of the, uh, of the offensive line workouts, you know, in terms of the physical development that this kid has gone through since he entered Mississippi State University on uh, report day of, what would that have been, 27, I don't know, where, where are we at now, 2022, 2019, I think? Yeah, he's a three-year guy. Uh, he entered at 6'3", flat, 257 pounds. He measured in at the combine at 6'4", almost 6'5". It was like 6'0", I believe. And 307 pounds. Now, granted, the, the the type of people they bring in for uh, you know strength and conditioning and physical development, and all those types of things, they do a phenomenal job. As and nothing taken away from those guys, but you also got to couple with that, the guy also has to have incredible work ethic to go ahead and grow an, an inch and three quarters, put on 50 pounds, and still maintain his athletic ability that he came in with, looking like a defensive end, right? So we're, we're talking about a guy with like super quick feet, like really twitched up. Um, he, he has put on a, a ton of weight, but with that comes a ton of power. And you can see that on film too. But you're talking about a guy that has like the, the unique uh, you know, athletic traits that, that teams covet. I doubt he's making it out of the first round. If he does and he's at 39, I don't see how – there, there's no way in hell to me that you pass that guy up. Now, we're also talking about a team right now that has a need for – uh, left tackle. We have a need for interior offensive line. We have a need for three technique, depending on what we do with the ball nickels. Right. And we have a need now for defensive end. So, you know, the, the thing about it is, is now we have two second round picks. I feel like we can use those two second round picks to address the trenches and use that third round pick now to address the birds. But, you know, if a guy like Charles Cross is there at 39, man, that, that you're, you're talking about just like, you know, heaven dropping a gift in your lap. Yeah, it's, it's hard not to take that. 
I don't think it'll be available at 39. I think if he's dropping in the, in the 20s and in the low, in the, in the low you know, or low 20s, right? Would you, would you, you know, that, that would be a guy that I would think about maybe packaging. Yeah, train two picks for to move up 11 getting, spots or something. Right? Yeah, because now you can solidify, you know, solidify your, your left tackle position. I, mean, I, I love the kid athletically. I love the, I love the size. My, my only concern, and, and, it, and it's it's in that Mike Leach system, you know, the, they the, those tackles or the offensive linemen, they, they're not really. Um, asked to block in, 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 in a pro style system. So that, that's the one you know, little concern I have about, about, about uh, cross there. But uh, you know, if, if an elite prospect like that would drop in a, in a neat position, right? Neil just touched on it. Defensive tackle, right? A three technique, defensive end. Now we talk about, he didn't touch on linebacker, cornerback, another safety. I mean, you have holes all over this football field. You know, like I said, uh, yeah. first couple of shows, there's only two positions that I would not use a draft pick on in this draft. That's a quarterback or a running back. Everything else is even a tight end. I would I would secure a, a good tight end if he falls to me in the right position. You know, so I'm just saying these are this is a team that's full of needs. You know, next week this next coming week is going to be crucial. But by the time our next show airs next Thursday, we should have some answers in terms of what the Bears are going to be looking for in the draft because free agency with the first wave would have started. Now I don't expect the Bears to go out and make a big splash. You know, first first couple of days of free agency, but you you might hear some rumblings. They might have a, a signing or two. Maybe fill one of these. You know, receiver positions. You know, I, I think, like I said, I, there, uh, Greg Rayville put out a, a nice list of receivers today on Twitter, and I think of those of those that he named, those are 100% accurate. Those are, those are the guys that Bears are looking at. And I think they'll probably sign two of those guys. You know, whether, whether it's you know uh, uh, Scanling from uh, Green Bay, whether it's Lazar from Green Bay, whether it's you know, Russell Cage from uh, from Atlanta. You know, guys like that. You know, Christian Kirk was on the list as well. I think that that combination, they're going to sign two of those veteran. Um, uh, uh, receivers, and then they're going to probably supplement that with with another receiver in a draft. Now, I just saw a question. I forgot who asked it in the chat. They're asking about com- comparing Chris Olave to um, Jamar Chase. Jamar Jamar Chase. Thank you. And uh, two different type of receivers, right? Uh, the, the one similarity that they're both they have the capabilities making explosive plays, but Jamar Chase is a more physical. Uh, a, a more, you know, he's dynamic in terms of he's up there. He's physical at the catch point. He, he can he can catch the football with two or three guys straight over him. Chris Olave to me is more of a speed guy, a guy that can stretch the field. You'll get him in the open, open, open space. He can make some, some moves there and get past the first defender. But he's definitely a guy on the outside that's going to be able to stretch that defense and get downfield. But uh, not not the complete receiver, in my opinion, Jamar Chase is. I, I think if, if you put these guys in the same draft, Jamar Chase is the, is the top receiver, hands down. No, no questions asked. Hey, Danny, don't don't forget, going back to uh, Charles Cross real quick, don't forget that when he first showed up in Mississippi State, it was more of a of, of a pro-style friendly you know, type of offense. So his, right. his original grooming was to play in a pro-style you know, offense. So he's had right. two different types of systems that he's been a part of. And the system that he first came in, the offensive coordinator, Lou Getze. Yep. Interesting. I did uh... – uh, I did get this message from Greg Gabriel. He told, he texted me and said, uh, I talked to a couple of agents today and both said the wide receiver market will be high. Christian Kirk might get 13 to $15 million. Valdez Scantling, 10 to $12 million. Now that could be wishful thinking because these are agents and they're right. trying to push up the money, but that's what I'm hearing. Oh, and A-Rob will get 20 plus million dollars this season. Now I don't agree with that. I'm, I I know that Greg is. I shouldn't probably be sharing all this, but I know that Greg is uh, friends with uh, Brandon Parker, A Rob's agent. So maybe, maybe he uh, Brandon uh, point pointed that out there because that's what he's going to be asking for, right, in these contract right. negotiations. But I do feel like 
the market for these tier one wide receivers and Marquez uh, uh, Valdez Scantley, he is not a tier one receiver, no. but I do believe that the top receivers, their price is going to go up because we've seen so many wide receivers get tagged or are injured. And so those tier one or close to tier one wide receivers, their price is going to go up. Plus uh, agents are already counting on the 2023 salary cap uh being like basically exploding because of all that tv revenue that's going to come in it's going to be massive so i do believe wide receivers are going to be more expensive than in the past just like we have seen aaron Rodgers uh, benefit from uh from uh, everything that's going on with the quarterback market and the tv money that's coming in he's making he's going to make somewhere in the area of 50 million dollars so you you guys uh, are you concerned that the Bears might not be able to attract a free agent wide receiver that is somebody that you like given what the market looks like? Yeah, I mean if, if Mike Williams, who I I love the the talent, right? If he's getting twenty million dollars as he re up with the Chargers, I mean you know w- what's the market going to be for like what's the Monty Adams going to get thirty million? You know I, mm-hmm. I just don't know how the Packers are going to do this. So you know if, if a guy like Marquez Valdez Scanling is asking for twelve million, again if if you kind of think about it in terms of the, the, the salary cap going up, you know, that might be average for, for, for an average, you know, receiver. Uh, I, I don't know if I like him that much, but you know, th- there isn't a receiver out there other maybe than Russell cage. I think Russell cage really uh, last year ended up being that the go-to receiver once, once Calvin Ridley you know, was lost for the season. I know they had the, the rookie tight end there making some plays down the stretch there as well. But I think Russell cage became the go-to receiver for, um, Matt Ryan. I think he's a guy that, that proved that, you know, maybe he's not a true number one, but you bring him in, you you, you kind of couple him with, with a Darnell Mooney. You put bring in a nice, uh, fast speedster from through the draft, and maybe bring in a couple of like uh, like like a Byron Pringle from from uh, KC uh, as as a guy that, that you know you know a guy you can kind of bet on in terms of potential. You know maybe developing a little into a, to a three or a two. You know who knows? We'll see what happens. But you know those are the kind of guys you kind of bring in, and now you have a you know a, a, not a great receiving group, but you have a solid group, right? And then you offset that with remember this is going to be a a, a my my opinion, I'm expecting this to be a heavy run-based offense. It's going to be predicated on on the rushing attack, and they're going to build everything off of Justin Fields' ability to use his legs, and also then you know making some plays downfield. So, but everything is going to be based off of that that um, that run game. So, I think it's going to be different. We're not going to need to go get guys, pay thirty get, you know, receivers thirty or fifteen or eighteen million dollars for being average receivers. I think you just you get you get some nice play play weapons, and then you go make some play uh, draft picks, some nice wise draft picks, bring some playmakers in. We saw this this combine. We saw all these guys with speed here. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through a tape here in the next couple of weeks, guys, and we'll break down some of these receivers for you. Um, you know, there's a lot of playmakers. There's another deep position here in, in this draft. I, I don't I don't go spend 15 million dollars on a Marcus Scanling or, or a Christian Kirk. Uh, Christian Kirk, you know, had a decent season and a pass heavy offense with a Pro Bowl quarterback, and 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 he was okay right he was noticed a mm-hmm. couple of weeks you know whatnot so uh, that's not a guy I'm, I'm spending a lot of money on so um and, and a rob you get 20 million god bless you you're a great guy great dude whoever gives you 20 million you're gonna go ahead and get it from that team because the bears are not gonna pay 20 million i know we're gonna tackle wide receivers later but let me get this question in because the factors asked it two or three times so uh, any day two three receivers that you guys feel can be impact players game one you want to go ahead and take it on first, Neil, or should I hop on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, there, there, there's so many, and, and that, that just like uh, harkens to your point, Danny. Like you, you can find guys throughout this draft in rounds two, three, four, and five that are right in our wheelhouse 
that mm-hmm. have size, have speed, have athletic ability um, that can come in and, and make an impact day one. I mean, if, if you look at guys that I, I think that could be day two guys that can come in and, and be immediate starters, guys like Christian Watkins, uh, George Pickens, Romeo Dalves, the kid from Nevada that, I mean, he, we, he, he put up unreal uh, explosion and agility numbers. Uh, Dontario Drummond is, is a guy with a lot of size that is very refined as a route runner, very smooth as an athlete, creates space just basically on, on, his, on his technician. And uh, David Bell, kind of the same way, is, is a guy that uh, is, is a very uh, technical route runner that uh, is arguably the most instinctive wide receiver in, in this entire draft. Um, that, that's probably going to fall in round three. Uh, Jalen Tolbert, who we saw in, in the Senior Bowl, that absolutely rock and roll the uh, you know, Sunbelt Conference this year, would be available somewhere between three and five. Um, if you look a little bit further on, Alec Pierce tore up the combine in terms of his testing numbers. And as a guy that has a really good film, and who knows where he's going to fall. He could go – I mean, he's probably all over the board right now in terms of where they project him, two, three, four, five. Um, a guy that you love, Danny, Christian Rambo, yeah. uh, the, the kid from transfer that uh, transferred into Miami. Um, he looks really good performing on, on uh, you know, combine day. And then you have Danny Gray, who's a guy that's got average size, about, you know, six foot 190, but is arguably the fastest guy in this draft, most explosive guy in this draft. Keep on going further on. Right. Uh, Kevin Austin from guy. Notre Dame. That's my guy that, that I brought up uh, a couple weeks ago. Taekwon Underwood from Baylor. Four, two, eight, uh, right. Yeah. Uh, Taekwon Thornton. Taekwon Thornton, sorry. I'm, I'm bad with names yeah. today. I'm, I'm bad with I, names. I, I was getting there. He was... <laughs> Was, I mean, that, that that goes to show you that we don't have to tackle this on, yeah. in round two. We don't have to tackle <laughs> round three. We didn't go three, four, five. We, we didn't go anywhere in this draft. Find out with size. Find out with speed. Find out with agility. You know, take the top off the defense. Could be a playmaker, you know, at, at uh, you know whatever X, Y, or Z you want to stick him. Um, I was talking about the Kevin Austin kid from Notre Dame who who ran and tested really well. The Khalil Shakir kid from, from uh, Boise State who okay. ran unreal time. I mean, it Billis was Jones you know, from Tennessee. Billis Jones from Tennessee is, is another guy. Billis Jones, yes. Josh Palmer 100%. was another guy from Tennessee last year that the Chargers got, in the, I think, in the fourth or fifth round. He became an impact player for them as well. So, you know, there, there are going to be players just like the last couple of years, guys, with receivers in the fourth, fifth round. You're going to be able to – Darnell Mooney, fifth-round pick, impact receiver for us, right? So there are going to mm-hmm. be guys you can you can get in the in day – for sure day two. And then definitely you, you know, there's going to be a couple of guys in day three you can bring in Bo Melton guy from Rutgers is a guy that I'm very intrigued by. He caught my eye and, and, and prior to the senior ball, I, I'll be honest with you, I haven't done much tape on, on Rutgers football. And I saw him play at the senior ball. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta study him. Now he goes and runs at what the four for something 40 at the, at the combine. Bo Melton is a guy from Rutgers that that's got some twitch in him. He's got some speed and it's got some playmaking ability. So that's a guy I'm going to look at here as well. Khalil Shakur is a guy. Sky Moore. I know we were asked about Sky Moore. Sky he Moore. ran a, 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 a huge, a, a tremendous, uh, 40. I think it was in, it was in a four threes. I think I had it here, lip ring here so, somewhere. Um, you know, he's a guy that, that really did well in terms of, you know, the athletic uh, testing and all that stuff. You know, he's a, a little undersized, about 5'10", 195, but he ran a four four one, thirty four and a half vertical, you know, uh, so he's a guy that, that, that could be a potential, you know, day three guy there as well. And, and so one thing I want, I want to just point out real quick, and I know everyone's down on David Bell, the kid from Purdue who ran a four six five forty. I'll tell you something right now. I, I did a breakdown on him last show. And and the kid is not a he's not a blazer. And I said it last you know last week he's not a guy that's gonna take a top off of defense. But he's a tough kid. He's a kid that makes contested catches. Okay, um, but he's the guy that doesn't play at a four six forty guys. He does not play at that that speed. He plays at a more of a four five in that range area. And just remember one thing: Anquan Bolden ran a four eight one forty coming out of Florida State. I think Anquan Bolden had a pretty damn good career. 
So guys that are there dropping David Bell just because he ran a four six five forty, I say go do your homework, go watch the tape on this kid. This kid's a ball player, and I'll take this kid anytime. And if you get him, the Bears get him in the third round, David Bell, that's a steal right there for me. Yeah. All right, Jerry uh, Rice four six six. Thank you. What, what was that, Neil? I, I missed that. It's four six six. Okay. So Jerry Rice ran a four six six come out of uh, Mississippi State. Gotcha. All right, uh, I do want to say this about. Christian Watson. Um, there was a great, great article in Sports Illustrated. Uh, this was for, for Packers fans. They were suggesting that Christian Watson might be a better replacement, might be a better addition to the team than re-signing Christian, uh, excuse me, re-signing uh, Marquez Valdez-Scatling. And this was uh, a portion of that article. At the 2018 Scouting Combine, Valdez-Scatling measures 6'4", 206 pounds, with massive 10-inch hands, he ran his 40 and 4.37 uh, seconds. At this week's scouting combine, Christian Watson measured 6'4 and 1 eighth at 208 pounds with 10 and 1 eighth inch hands. On Thursday, he ran his 40 and 4.36 seconds. So the, the, the point being is why... Why spend all this money on Valdez Scantling when there's a very, very similar, at least physically, wide receiver in Christian Watson? You guys have any thoughts on that? If you're asking me, although, do I want to have Christian Watson or Marquez Valdez Scantling yes. right now? Give me Christian Watson nine, nine, uh, ten, you know, ten out of ten. There, I, I have no doubt he's a guy that that you know, Valdez Scantling has made some big plays in the NFL, so I, I'll give him that, right? But he's had a lot of drops, right? There, there, there are. I know people, writers in Green Bay, that that think that this guy is way overrated, way overblown. He does have the size and the speed element, but I think Christian Watson is a better route runner. Um, you know, I think Christian Watson has a, a ability to come in and make an impact right away. And long-term, I'd rather have Christian Watson, especially when you have a young quarterback like Justin Fields. If those two can go ahead and gel and build a chemistry going forward, I would take Christian Watson. And we're talking about paying Valdez Gaining $15 million a year. I'm okay. I'll take, I'll take, I'll take Christian Watson in the second round and be happy with it. Very good. Uh, uh, Neil, is your connection working a little better right now? I think it is. Uh, it was getting kind of slow there for uh, for a bit. Um, not sure really what's going on. Okay. Well, um, but, uh, let, we're, we're, we're going to power through it. There you go. Thanks. Um, let us start uh, to talk about some of the player evaluations that we have. Uh, Danny, why don't we start with you? Uh, you right, so let, me, let me set this up here real quick. So, so I, I was just going off of my list today is just guys that on the at the scouting combine. I told you earlier I was sitting there watching the scouting combine, and and there were so many guys that impressed me that that I I couldn't really tweet about it. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm not gonna mess up my tweets and th throw some things out there that are not correct. So I'm just gonna go and write these names down. And I'm gonna go dig into the tape, and I'm gonna bring up some guys here that I think are are, are gonna fit the Bears in terms of what they want to do scheme wise both down the offensive line and defensive line. That's, that's where I concentrated on. So we already talked about, you know, edge rusher. This is obviously this, this was, this list, this list was made prior to the, uh, the Mac trade. So obviously defensive end now is going to probably fall into an area there where that could be a, a potential need as well. Uh, but I'm looking at offensive linemen. And I'm looking at, at interior defensive linemen. And, uh, and I, and you know, I, I said, I think Eddie Goldman's next. I think he's going to be gone. I highly doubt they're going to re-sign Bilal Nichols from what I've heard. So we'll see what happens there. Um, so they're going to be looking for a three technique, and they're going to be looking for another uh, interior defensive lineman, a guy that can, that can be playing over you know, over the center or over the guard or, or someone that plays that what we call the one technique here in, in this 4-3 system. So 
we're going to go ahead and run off with a guy that, that actually, Neil, you brought up last week, and that's Zach Tom from Make Forest. And this is a kid, uh, really, you know, athletic, compact frame. Um, you know, so this is a guy that, that's got some versatility, right? This is, you know, here he's playing left tackle, uh, going up here against Jermaine Johnson. I like the fact that he was able to square him up uh, and be able to, to get the, to get the uh, guy who's probably going to be a first-round pick, Jermaine Johnson, and get him off the way, create a little running lane there, for a scene for the running back to get through. So that's, that's him there and run black. And again, this is a guy that played left tackle. I project him more inside at guard. A uh, majority of the NFL thinks he's going to be a center guys. And he's played center before at, at Vanderbilt. So he's got that experience there as well. So, but I think Wake he's, he's, he's potentially going to be inside Wake, Wake Forest. He's going to be inside at, uh, at probably at, at guard most likely here. But again, we're talking about a kid that comes out here, balance, uh, strikes his hands out, get controls a center plate of, of the defensive lineman. It's square, it's shoulder square to a defender and, and ma- maintains his balance, is able to mirror and pass pro and keep the, the defender away from the quarterback. Here we're going clip three is is, is the run play here. Uh, I think I lost that one there. Where do I go here? Oh, this, this is here. This here works well with his guard here. It's looking to pin down the defensive tackle, sealing him off and helping create that lane behind them, which the running back cuts through. It, it makes a, a, a nice run there as well. So we, we see him here now moving guys. You see him get leverage and, and keep those feet moving and, and get guys off their spots there, creating, the, again, those lanes for the, for the uh, running back to come in. Again, this is a guy, as, as a guard, is kind of like pull, asked to pull and come out. Athletically, he's got that ability. He's got the quick feet, the the, the ability to range to come out and loop and, and be a lead blocker, if you will. So, again, very impressed with what he did at the combine. But then when you put on his tape, you see a lot of that here as well, too. Here, I think the running back, if he cuts behind him, right, I think he cuts behind him, I think the running back has a chance to go and score there. So and, and this play here, I just want to show you how he gets to that second level, seals off that, that linebacker, and then and, and just drives him, you know, holds on to him, and then drives him back you know, four or five yards. And again, if the running back cuts behind him, I think he has a chance to score there. But uh, anyway, but again, he gets to that second-level linebacker, seals him off, creates that, that, that run lane, and, and allows the, uh, the running back to go ahead and get positive yards. So this one here this is against uh, against North Carolina. Uh, this is again showing us his pass pro. I'm talking about awareness here, guys. I want to see linemen that are aware in pass pro. Here you see he's already engaged. He's, he's double teaming, helping the guard. Sees a free rusher come off, goes in and releases that guy and, and stops that free rusher from killing his quarterback. Now the quarterback eventually gets sacked anyway, but this to me is awareness, pass pro awareness. I love this in my, my blockers. You know, he sees a guy free coming. He's not just going to let the quarterback get killed there. He's going to go ahead and release off his guy and, and stop that that free uh, rusher from getting to his quarterback. So that's pass pro, pass, pass pro awareness, and that's something that, that Zach Tom shows on tape as well. Again, a guy that played left tackle, has played center, uh, and, and potentially is going to probably play either the guard or center in, in the next level. But I got athletically, we're talking about guys that can move east and west and maintain their blocks, keep their feet, keep their balance. And, and keep themselves positioned between the defender and the quarterback or the ball carrier. And I think Zach Tom fits that profile to a T. What do you think yeah, about we, this guy, Neil? We, we, we talk about value all the time, and position versatility is one of those things that presents and provides a ton of value to these NFL teams. You know, Zach Tom, you know, as Daniel alluded, is a guy that started at left tackle for Wake Forest, started at center for Wake Forest. If I can pull up my notes here, he was, uh, he's got 37 career starts. In 3,107 snaps, has only given up two sacks. That's in 48 career games. Um, he was uh, he started center in 19, left tackle in 20 and 21. Um, excellent athletic ability, feet. He can run, as I alluded to on our first show when we were talking about the the, the All Star games. 
the East West game when you saw him booking it down the field, getting out in front, covering, you know, for the uh, the the tailback to score. Um, you know, the, the kid's impressive. You know, he wins with use of technique, leverage. Um, I, I think that he can, you know, improve his power and strength. I, I think that that's something that's still going to come. You're talking about a guy that's still sub 300 pounds. Um, you know, put a few more pounds on him, uh, develop his power, and really allow him to kick some ass. You know, that that can that could definitely you know bode well for him. But uh, you know, he, he's he's a kid that uh, he, he's impressive. You know, from not only with what he does on the field, but you know, as an off the field guy as well. He's a locker room guy. Um, you know, get this guy okay. in, draft him in, in round three, put him in the weight room, get him on get him on a meal plan. You know, get him just just a little bit you know more on on his frame. He has a frame to do it. He has a length. He, he has, you know, massive hands, long arms. Uh, th- this is a guy that would be a prototypical developmental guy coming in like round four or five that you love his athleticism, that just needs a little bit of tweak, and he's ready to rock. Yeah, and, and again, this is, this is a guy, day th- and you'll touch on it, day three, you bring him in, you get a fourth-round pick. If you're able to drive down and make a fourth, you know, get a fourth-round pick, a nice area for this kid to come in. Again, versatility. Guy was a team captain, a guy that can be able to play multiple positions along the offensive line for you. You know, we've talked about this, you know, over and over again. Guys along the offensive line that can play multiple spots. We talked about, you know, Alex Bars is a guy that can play three or four different positions on the offensive line. You know, these guys are valuable, especially on game day. You know, if, if a guy gets hurt, he can go and be plugged in. The one thing I do want to touch on is, is he might be a center, Neil. Uh, I, th- I think mm-hmm. a lot of guys I heard talk about him as a be. center. And uh, I like him as guard, but possibly center could be a thing. And, and I think a lot of people now saw the Sam Mustafer being tendered contract and think, oh, Mustafer's back as a starter. I think Mustafer's on the team, but I'm not saying he's a cement as a starter. Death. I, I think he'll, I think he'll, he's going to be there to compete. I think they're going to bring in possibly a young guy, maybe like a, like, like a Tom or maybe a, a true center in the draft and have him compete with Mustafer for that position. But it, by no means do I think uh, Sam Mustafer has locked up that center position. So, so again, we talked about offensive line. We were always concentrate on left tackle, and that is that is priority number one. But guys, guard, you know, center. These are all positions that they're going to have to look at. And I, I told you earlier, I think Cody Whitehair is you know is in jeopardy in terms of securing his roster spot. So you know, and then we don't know what these guys think about Larry Borum or or Tevin Jenkins from last year. So there's, there's a lot of turnover going to going to happen probably in that offensive line room as well. So we we haven't seen um, you know the end of this 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 change yet. So it's it's only starting and. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I kid like Zach Tom, give you that, that versatility, the athletic ability. And again, all I'm looking for is guys that can maintain their balance, stay on their feet and block East and West and be able to get to that second level, be able to block in space. And that's what you're going to need in this offensive scheme. Excellent work, gentlemen. Um, let's move on to Zach Thomas. Yeah, this is a kid I, I, I had not seen uh, prior to the combine, but his his numbers at the combine impressed me. You know, 6'5", 308, uh, 33 and 7 8 arm length, uh, you know, 2018 is he's, he's made two starts at right guard. This guy started at right guard, right tackle, and left tackle. Uh, the thing about him is I, I like the size. I like the length. Uh, another, again, athletic, played in a stretch zone scheme at, at San Diego State. So he's got that ability already. Here you see him. I like the way he dips his shoulder, gets in into the defensive lineman's chest, and uses leverage to go ahead and stand up the defensive lineman and rock him out, you know, take him backwards there. Um, the play doesn't really, um, you know, result in much, but you saw the way he was able to get that man off his point and, and rock him back there. So um, here's this next play here. We show him here getting to that next level, being able to seal off that that uh, that uh, next level linebacker right here. Get, him, get the running back cuts behind him, gets a nice run there. So again, we're talking about guys that can get up into the next level, get to that second level run fit, uh, be able to block in space. 
uh, be able to maintain those blocks are key as well here too. So you know we're looking at pass protection and also being able to be able to be a force as a as a as a run blocker here. Um, right here we're talking about pass pro, right? Be able to go ahead and 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 uh, maintain his balance, keep himself square to to the defense alignment. Looks like the defense lineman is going to take that inside shoulder. What he does is just grabs him, torques him, and he buries him. Uh, Neil and I have talked about you know linemen that they have that some of that nastiness. Uh, he's got some of that nastiness. It's not overtly nasty like some of the other guys we've seen, like Trevor Penning or something like that. But he's got some little you know, nasty in him that he'll go ahead and he'll bury some guys there. So, uh, you know, definitely impressed me on, on tape here as well. Um, here we, we go look at this is clip number, I believe, three, four. four. So this is where he, he chips and he leaks out to, to the next level. But comes a lead blocker. Uh, you know, it doesn't look pretty when he gets out there. He kind of just buries, buries a guy. But, hey, you know, all you got to do is do your job and block the defender. He always does that there. Gets out in front, becomes a lead blocker, and buries that defender in that next level, allowing that that screen pass to go in and get some more yards uh, upfield. So, would look again. We're talking about guys at all five positions. Got to be able to leak up, get up front, get outside mm-hmm. in space, be able to block those you know quicker, faster. Whether they're they're corner they're slot corners, whether they're they're outside corners, whether they're linebackers, you got to get there. You got to block them, seal them off, and give your you know receivers uh, for example there was a screen pass or your running backs to be able to ability to get up field and get more yards so you know zach thomas is a guy really caught my eye at the combine then i put on his tape and i think he's a guy that would be a nice fit again i'm not talking about first second round guys i'm talking about you know day three guys guys that can, mm-hmm. you can bring in and develop and become eventual starters down the line for you here you know zach thomas he, he was one of those dudes that uh yeah popped one of those really absurdly impressive uh, you know, ten yard splits, rocked at uh, one six seven uh, towards the tail end of, of those uh, of those first rounds of forties. You know, and, and and again, I talked about it before is absurd back to back to back. You had one six seven, one six seven, one six eight, one six nine. It's like big dudes being athletic and running fast is what you love, and then big dudes being athletic, running fast, and also being physical and nasty and all those types of things. Um, I'm not sure really how how you can go wrong. Now, you know, this is definitely a developmental guy all the way right i, I think he's definitely a, a mid you know day three guy probably around five you know type of dude because he is still kind of raw and you know who he is as as an offensive lineman definitely playing a position at left tackle he's definitely gonna be an interior guy like we know all that kind of stuff but you know there, there are there are some things that he can definitely you know in, in improve on you know he's he, he he does have work you know sticking on blocks at times he, he could get tossed around because he doesn't have that grade of a, of, a, of a lower body explosion. You know, yeah. he's a guy that tested only 22.5 on, on the vert, uh, sub nine on the on the broad jump. All the explosion numbers were just sort of, you know, pedestrian. But again, a guy that you get him in, you, you get him in the weight room, you develop that kind of stuff, you build him to what you want him to be. Um, he's got a lot of play history, 32 career starts, three different positions across the offensive line of San Diego State. Uh, so, you know, the play history is there. You love his athletic ability. He can move really good, really well laterally. Uh, we, we, we saw it on, on combine day, his ability to, to uh, go, go lateral side to side, forward and back, and not really keep, keep a good base and not look like he's struggling to, to, to move. It came very easy to him, right? And those are the guys that you look for in terms of athletic ability. Um, and, you know, again, I, I can't, we can never touch enough the toughness part. part of it. I worked with, uh, you know, Brady Ho for two seasons. Head coach of San Diego State was at Ball State. I was there with him for two seasons and, you know, in the, in the recruiting meetings, the two things that he talked about all the time was athleticism, toughness. And if you could pick one over the other, if only one was available, he took toughness. 100% of the time he took toughness. So all these guys come out of San Diego state, you know, one damn good thing. They're going to be good players, going to work hard. They're going to be tough. They're going to knock your ass in the dirt. I'll take a kid out of San Diego state every day of the week. 
The, you know, about him is, is, as Neil touched on, is you know he's a guy that needs to be developed, right? He's a, you know we talked about the strength. You know he's a guy that that doesn't have the the the, the core power, if you will, to go ahead and anchor and be able to take on bull rusher. I mean, he's a guy that that is, mm-hmm. uh, that needs to you know get in that weight room and, and get be developed. But talk about uh, a guy that fifth round and come in and be your future you know starter. I, I guys have told me that he's going to be a guard at the next level, and I think you know I I kind of go back. I'm like, well, I I think he can play left tackle. Uh, I think he's got the athletic ability, the length to be able to play off tackle. So we'll see how it goes. But I mean, even NFL teams are saying that he's probably going to be kicked inside a guard. We'll see how it goes there. But uh, I, definitely a guy that I would like to take a chance on in day three and bring him in. Like I said, develop him, get him stronger, and get him in your system. And and he's guy already plays in that stretch zone scheme, so he's already familiar with that with that blocking scheme. I, I think it'll be a natural fit here. Hey right, guys, don't forget. On. It doesn't matter who they play; it matters what they do while they play. Well said. I think Lombardi said that. <laughs> Vince or Michael? <laughs> Tyler Smith. <laughs> yeah, this is a guy that you guys might, I think, asked yes. us about it a couple weeks ago, uh, the kid from Tulsa. Uh, so I, I went ahead and obviously his his numbers at the combine were, were pretty pretty good too. 6'5, 324. Uh, athletic kid, man. I put on his tape here as he's going up against Ohio State. Look how easily he just moves and shuffles his feet, get to his set spot, displaying that lateral agility, the athletic feet you look for in your left tackles. Uh, gets himself square to the defender and and, he, and shows they can mirror and pass. Bro, the one thing right there, I don't. His hands are way too low for me. Like he's got to be able to get better with his hands in terms of getting him up up near his waist and being ready to, to put him in a position to shoot. So that's one criticism right there. Technique wise, he's got he's gonna have to work on it. Uh, here again, his pass, bro, off the snap. You know his quickness is evident, right? Uh, he gets in position. You know again, square to the defender. You know playing with a with a balanced stance, his knee bend. You know look how he sets and then resets his feet to be able to um, you know. Uh, stymie the the pass rush and be able to build that bridge and, and be able to anchor there as well so you saw that athletic ability and, and pass pro uh you hear uh the quickness the recovery quickness he gets beaten inside a little opens mm-hmm. a little bit there gets beaten inside but was able to come back and recover grabs a guy it looks a little bit like it might be holding but hey, it wasn't called if there's if it's no flag on the field then that's not holding but then it goes in and just <laughs> covers and torques the guy and gets him out of position so Shows you that that the brute strength. Remember, this guy's a, a redshirt sophomore, so he's still got some development to do. But yeah, you know, going up against you know Division One top, you know, top five team here in Ohio State, you know, he shows you his ability there. You know, so that's the thing I, I like about him here. Um, this next clip here again, he engulfs. You know, this is Tyreek Smith, right? This is the guy that at the at the uh, uh, Senior Bowl was was creating havoc there with one on ones. Goes and engulfs him, just basically tosses him out of the club here. Gets him Bound off the shove. screen. Yeah, gets him out of the screen and says, hey, you know what? Get away from my quarterback. Quarterback has nothing to worry about here. Again, we're talking about Tyreek Smith. The guy is going to be drafted probably in the third or fourth round of, of this draft here. So uh, NFL talent that he's going up against here at, at versus Ohio State. Um, here, again, we're talking about, you know, some pass. Bro. I get, his hands are late for me, Neil. I don't like his hands being that that low. He's got to be up, mm-hmm. up front there. Uh, but again, you know, he, he does maintain his balance, even though, you know, he's clipped there at the end. Look at me. He's falling down. Gets clipped and he still tosses the guy to the ground. Yeah. So that shows you just just the brute strength this guy has in, in his in his body. He's got a thick frame, uh, you know, a, a good size here. So I, again, uh, someone this guy is going to be more on the day one or day two. Now there there's some rumblings about him going late day one, uh, first round. I, I don't know about that. I think that, that might be a little bit too rich for me in terms of him going first round. But he's got the mm-hmm. talent and he and he just needs to be you know refined and and, and coached up. But you're looking at a guy that can come in here and, and really be uh, a potential, be a starting left tackle. Yeah. I mean, Robbie's right. He is susceptible to the bull rush because of how he currently uses his hands and, and, and his arms. Now 
you know, the thing about him is, is that he does have the natural length of his arms. He does know how to use the length. I did, I did the same game that, that you did, focused a lot on the first half. And just to see how, you know, he started the game. He maintained up to halftime how he came out of halftime. Um, he's got 34-inch arms. He's got massive hands, almost 11-inch hands at 6'5", 324. And he's also a guy that tested really well at the combine as well. He ran a 50240. He had one of those elite 171 splits, uh, 465 on the shuttle, 770 on the cone. Uh, the uh, explosion numbers were a little bit better, not where I want them to be, but 27 and a half and 8.9, not bad for a 324-pound guy, right? Um, you know, ton of play history with him for the short career that he had, 23 career starts. I even started two games in his redshirt year, which, you know, is something that, you know, we can do now. But, uh, you know, freshman All-American in 2020. I love his smooth feet and his lateral agility. He showed that on combine. He showed that on the film. And especially while he's engaged, like we saw we, we saw the bits where he's going up against Tyreek Smith. And uh, uh, number eight, I'm not sure who number eight is on the opposite side, but they're both like two, you know, uh, really athletic edge rushing like type of guys. And he's able to shuffle his feet while engaged and he shows good leg drive while engaged. He can move bodies. He anchors well, sits well in his drop. And that that's for run blocking. That's for pass, uh, pass protection. Um, the functional strength. He has a very strong inside hand. One of the clips said that he actually didn't have on there that uh, I probably should have um, given. I probably should have given uh, you know, all the put on was when I think it was Tyreek rushing off the top side. You know, he's actually holding the guy off with his inside arm, looking back o- over his right shoulder to see where the play is going, where he needs to direct the, ed- the edge rusher moving forward. I thought that was incredibly impressive. You know, guys that have that kind of upper body strength, that kind of core strength, this upper body strength and core strength, and also strong, heavy hands is how you're able to execute that that kind of move on, on a guy that's really twitched up and athletic. Um, right. And the thing is, he needs to be coached up. And the, and the guys in the chat, you guys are right. You know, talk about, I think it was Robbie said he's susceptible to the bull rush because look mm-hmm. at his hands right down by his, by his waist, you know, and he opens up his chest and then he doesn't shoot. He kind of engulfs the, the defender. So this is where he, a, a offensive line coach gets in there and says, all right, get your hands in, in, in a position where you shoot. And then you're going to shoot, protect your chest. You, you then you can go be able to to go and control the, the defender's chest plate, and now you can ride him. But the other thing is because he's raw, because he needs to be coached up. Just look at his 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 raw ability here. He's right. been backwards, but he's able to reset. He's got enough core strength to go ahead and, and arch his back and anchor a little bit and maintain himself between the defensive uh, end and the quarterback. And that, that again, if you get this guy coached up with an offensive line coach, get him you know get him with the right technique. I think this guy has potential to be a starting left tackle in the NFL. So. That's why, you know, that first round uh, talk about him, I think that's all probably agent stuff. I, I don't believe he's going to go in the first round. I think that's, yeah. again, I said earlier, it's too rich for my blood. But definitely talking about, you know, mid-second round and maybe even a third round if he falls in that area for you. I think this is the guy you, you kind of go ahead and, and take a take a flyer on. And like I said, you develop him. And this could be your starting left tackle for the future. All right, fellas, let's move on to Logan Hall, defensive so- tackle. I went on. Oh, no, I went to the office side. I went to the defensive side. I went to a, a guy. All right. So I, we need a three technique, right? And and we need uh, possibly a, a, another another defensive lineman. So, you know, Logan Hall doesn't fit the bill. Actually, I think he's listed as a defensive end on most of these most of these mock drafts and most of these uh, you know uh, reports and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I kind of th- thought outside the box and I'm like, all right, this guy is a six six. Uh, was he six six two hundred eighty three pounds? You know, he's not the quick, twitchy, you know, Devontae Wyatt, who I think, by the way, has has blown himself out of the Bears range. I think he's going mid-first round. So that hope and dream of the Bears getting Devontae Wyatt here is is, is probably done. Uh, but this guy is a bigger guy. Again, 6'6", 283. 
not saying he's, he's the, uh, the Forrest Buckner, but he's got that si similar size. And then you put on this tape here at, uh, versus uh, Cincinnati. You see him do a nice swim move, get up in that A-gap, split that that uh, that centering guard and get into the backfield and bring down um, Desmond Ritter here for, for a no gain or, or a loss. Again, quickness off the ball is what you notice with this guy. 6'6", 283 pounds. Here he loops around just engulfs the quarterback does a nice little small loop there again not the, the quickest or twitches twitchy defensive line out there but he's got the size and he's got the uh, the quick snap anticipation off the ball he gets into the the offensive lineman's chest and then just just engulfs the quarterback and 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 you know provides a sack here so i think something like this in the middle of a defensive line if you pair him up with another defensive tackle i think this could generate a lot of of uh, of good pass rush and a good you know good uh, good fortune there for the Bears. Here takes on a double team, stands his ground, and then has a nice way of locating the football. That's instincts. Spins off a nice spin move, to spin off the double team, and then get in and make a you know make a tackle or assist on this tackle here. So again, locating the ball while taking on a double team, standing your ground, and and being able to get off of that that double team and get to the to the ball carrier to me is a plus there with him as well. And this clip here again. He, he dives into the back into the backfield. There's a nice again swim move to get in, in between the center and the guard, uh, and get into that a gap. He doesn't doesn't uh, make the tackle, but, but look what happens, guys. His man has to go ahead now and 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 uh, block him. Obviously, look what happens to the linebacker. Linebacker is free. Linebacker is not touched. He's coming downhill. He's making an easy tackle here for uh, for a no gainer. So you know, even though he didn't make the play, his initial quickness and effort in, to get into the backfield causes that reaction from the offensive lineman to now allow the linebacker to come down free and make a play. That's a win that's caused by the defensive lineman, Logan Hall. And I can see him fitting in this system. Now, if this is, this is the old, the Vic Fangio, Sean Desai system, I, I see him as, as a five technique, a possible replacement for an Akeem Hicks, that type of a, a lineman. I think he fits in nicely there, but here I'm thinking outside the box. I'm, I'm liking his anticipation, his instincts, his ability to get off the ball, get back and shoot that gap, get into that backfield and make some pressure there. And that's why I can see him, you know, being a, a, a nice, nice piece here in this defense. So I, that, so this is where, when I put his tape on, uh, you know, he looks bigger here than what he does at the combine. He looks a little bit more And at the senior ball, one-on-one, he was almost unblockable. So I think he might've dropped some weight, maybe getting ready for the combine. It could be a little bit more slicker. So again, that size in the middle of that defense, be able to shoot that gap, get in the backfield, make disruptive plays, you know, help your linebackers, you know, stay clean and get to the ball carrier. I think that could be a nice asset here for this defense. You know, we talk all the time about, you know, playmakers across the defensive line in this uh, in this system. Guys that uh, are able to shoot gaps, be athletic, you know, take on their one-on-ones, win those and still handle the B-gap. I mean, this kid is is monumentally athletic in terms of how he's able to utilize his strength, utilize his agility, um, you know, win the one-on-ones. You see him in open space. He's able to change direction burst forward, you know, close on the ball carrier. Um, really interesting kid that, uh, you know, honestly, I wasn't thinking that would be even, you know, that close of a fit for us, you know, getting out of, uh, you know, the combine where we were in the position that we were in, um, you know, before we traded Khalil Mack. And now it's like, uh, well, hey, you know, we, we have open positions across the defensive front, all, you know, the, the entire way now. That 6'6", 283, was that the combine measurement? Was that the official combine measurement? Yeah, that was the coming measurement. Um, he looked heavier here, at, and when I watched his tape uh, playing for Houston, so you know he might have been closer to 300. I'm not sure, but uh, I mean, he, he looked he looked quicker, man. He looked quicker at the Senior Bowl. 
you look real quick at, 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 the, uh, at the combine, I, I have his numbers here in terms of what he tested. I, I, and, and the one thing I look for, for uh, on these defensive linemen, offensive linemen guys, is I, I know, you know, the 48840 he ran, which, which was good for him, for a guy 6'6". But split. he had a one, one six eight ten yard split, guys. That yes. is phenomenal. So to give you a competent idea, Aaron Donald ran a one six three ten yard split. So this guy is not Aaron Donald quick, but he's got he's in that ballpark, right? For guys six six two hundred eighty three pounds. So that's why when I see this athletic ability, when I go ahead and I, and I put on his tape, I could see envision him playing a role, being able to shoot that cap shoot that gap and get up there and make up, make a play again. You're right. Neil. he doesn't fit ideally what you think about when you think about this defensive front and the kind of defense alignment they want, but that mm-hmm. 10 yard split is, is elite. And, and then you want, you want guys that are quick off the ball and after snap and you put on his tape and you see this guy is just quick as a cat off the snap. Uh, again, locating the football, taking on a double team, you know, things like that, that help you win, you know, that show that play earlier, getting into the backfield, and not really making a play, but affecting the play, allowing your linebacker to come clean and, and make a tackle. You know, those are things that in this defense will help others get better. And I think will overall will make the unit a very good unit. Yeah, Logan Hall, senior bowl measurements, 6057, 278, uh, 958 hands. Uh, they measure his left hand. Not sure what was, what's going on with his right hand. He might have a deformity on his, on his right hand, but his left hand was uh, almost 33 and a half in the 80 and a quarter wingspan. So, I mean, just a big old, yeah. big old athletic dude, man. You love the way this kid can move to his, his, and his and burst, thing, his twitch. And the one thing I do like about him being that big is, you know, what's, what's, how do offenses now usually beat these, 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 you know, big pass rushing teams? Quick throws, right? Get the ball out real quick. Well, if you got to have a six, six, put his hands up. If you don't get to the quarter, put your hands up. You're going to, you're going to, you have to make that quarterback find that throwing lane, throwing window. You might bat a ball, you know, tip ball create a turnover, and there you go. So there are different ways that this guy can help a defense. Again, that, it's not the ideal fit, right? Not the ideal fit, but just mm-hmm. his numbers and his measurables and his tape, you kind of think, you know, this guy could make an impact on if you put him in the right spot on his defense. Where do you think that he'll uh, go? It's uh, a question that I'm hearing in the chat. I think right now he's third round in my in my book, so, so late day two. I agree. All right, well um, – Hopefully we'll have more third rounders to <laughs> to contemplate if he, if he's still around. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to who is next on our list? Travis Jones. Yeah, Travis. Travis, Travis Jones. Jones. This is the guy that uh, from UConn. This guy was the was the you know the the steal, the show stealer the the monster at, at the Senior Bowl. This guy was dominating everybody one on one. You know, goes to the combine. You know, runs out. Was it was his time? Four nine two forty. A twenty and a half uh, vertical. Uh, broad jumps almost you know over nine feet again 1.76 10 yard split not a guy as as quick off the ball as a logan hall or, or some of the other guys we we're talking about but again just a guy who's just physical and athletic here walks the center back into his quarterback and then goes in and just drops him and, and gets a sack this is what he was doing at the at the senior bowl guys he was walking guys right back into the, the guy that was pretending to play quarterback you know they were not able to contain him and his ability to be able to to, to move speed to power and then get into the into the, the backfield causing disruption again we talked about Eddie Goldman possibly not being on his on his on his roster this is a guy that to me fits real nicely uh, in that Eddie Goldman spot you know a one technique a guy that can line up over the outside shoulder of the guard or center and be able to do that you know club rip get up into into that that a gap and get right into the quarterback's face doesn't get the sack but 
force the quarterback to go and get rid of the ball quickly, and, and there's an incompletion. So again, I'm I'm thinking a little bit maybe out of the box. You know, these are not guys that again will the ideally will be will be fitting this defense. But when you see guys that are this big and this athletic, here takes on a, a blocker, tosses him like he's nobody, just toss him to the ground, and then goes ahead and you know makes a, a tackle for a loss here on the running back. So he's got that brute strength. Now doesn't need to be coached up. Sure, you know, are there times he gets too high with his pad levels and loses leverage? Yes, but he's a guy coming out from UConn. I think uh, again. We talked about it with some of the other guys here, guys you can kind of mold and, and make better, coach up and get them better. And I think this guy can be a force in the middle of the defensive front. So imagine if you have a, if you just go by these two, you have a guy like Travis Jones taking on double teams and, and making, you know, uh, life hell for interior alignment. And then you got a guy like Logan Hall next to him or another three technique, a quick twitch or three technique uh, next to him shooting those gaps. This is how this defense becomes successful. This is how this defense now impacts the quarterback, impacts the pocket, gets back there and makes plays. And these are the kind of guys that I'm looking at here. Right. Jones Massive is, is dude, a credit one technique. Yes. And that, that's where Eddie Goldman's yeah. going to be playing in this defense too. So if you're going to shed Eddie Goldman's salary, you bring in a kid like Travis Jones that's going to go ahead and replace Eddie Goldman and, and be just as destructive there up front. I'll take that switch in a heartbeat. Given the way that this kid performed senior bowl, the way that he performed, uh, you know, during the combine, uh, I was just about to say, just, you know, massive kid, six zero four three three twenty six, ten and a quarter hands, 34 inch arms, 82 and, and three quarter wingspan. I mean, it, this is just a, you know, big, long athletic dude, powerful dude, tough dude, you know, for, for guys that are playing right there in, in, in the center at zero at, at, uh, at one at, uh, you know, two shade. I mean, this, this is the type of guy that you want in terms of his power. You know his burst, uh, his explosion, uh, his ability to uh, to to you know basically own and you know dominate his space, you know so to speak. Um, and I, I'm not sure if everybody saw that clip that I put up of you know Zion Johnson, probably my favorite offensive lineman in his class, not called Trevor Penning, uh, go up against uh, Travis Jones in, uh, in in Senior Bowl. But you, you talk about two silverback gorillas going at it, man. I mean, you know, I, I, I talk about how how strong of, of hands and upper body and core strength that Zion Johnson has, you know, th those two guys going at it was fun to watch. You know, he, he's a guy that you would love to have. Yeah. Again, I'm just kind of thinking here, you know, cause he, he, the, the guy I want for sure in this defense is Devontae White. But like I said, I, I, he's, he blew it out of the park. You know, uh, you guys thought Jordan Davis was, was a, was a hit in terms of his numbers. Devontae, well, Devontae White. White did on, on, on a, on a download. Really. I mean, no one was talking about him because everyone was kind of shocked at what Jordan Davis did. I mean, Devonta Wyatt secured himself. I think he's mid first round right now for sure. Mid, I don't see him going out of the twenties. To be honest with you, so uh, he's a guy that that will will not be there for the Bears. He will be the ideal fit at three technique. Um, you know, but but if you're gonna go here, yeah, these are not ideal fits in terms of body size. Or you know, if you think about it, look at their numbers. But you know, look at their quickness. Look at their their time speed. Look at what they do on, on tape. You know, again, we talked about Logan Hall, his quickness off the ball. We talked about this guy being able to take on blockers, being able to walk guys back into the backfield. You know, the you know, people think quarterbacks are, are are fearful or scared of those edge rushers. Quarterbacks are more scared of guys in their face. So those big behemoth defensive linemen, Aaron Donald, you know, Akeem Hicks when he's healthy, you know, guys mm -hmm. that are just crushing the pocket, bringing their center and their guard into their laps. Those are the guys that fear quarterbacks more because now they can't. They were no go. They they got they can't go outside because they got those other. A speed guys on the outside, you know, they can't step up and get rid of the football. So guys like this that can collapse the pocket from the inside are, are key. Uh, and I, I think this, this would be an, either one of these guys would be a nice, you know, nice add addition to this front four. 
Great stuff, gentlemen. Uh, let's get to some questions here. Ravi earlier in the show asked, uh, if Jahan Dotson falls, how does he compare to Tyreek Hill? Doesn't, it doesn't matter if he falls or not. Let's just compare him to that Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Dotson is, is a big play guy. Uh, I, I forgot his numbers. I think was was he in a 4-4s, Neil, at, at the combine? Yeah, like 4-4-3, four, four, I think. Yeah, he's, he's one of those quick twitch guys. Uh, you know, guys, frankly, I've been calling for guys. I, I've been saying year last couple of years, like we need guys here. Just get the ball in their hands and let them do things in the open field. And Dotson fits that bill. You know, not not the biggest receiver. So if you're looking for a guy that's going to be on the outside primarily, uh, you know, Ty, Tyreek Hill for me, he's a, he's a, a more twitchier uh, player. I think he's just a freak in, in, in himself. So I I think it's going to be hard to find a guy like Tyreek Hill. Yes, he uh, is. But you know, but but uh, Dotson himself is just going to be a guy that's going to bring you. A lot of uh, um, versatility on offense. Guys, you, you get the ball in his hands, you know, on jet sweeps. You can get the ball in his hands on on, sc- on screen passes. You can get the ball in his hands just throwing it down the field, lining up in the slot, and all that stuff. So, you know, a creative offensive uh, play caller where you get the ball in his hands in the open field and let him do his thing. So he adds that speed, of, the element of speed to your offense, which you want to see. Um, but you know, so he gives you some some versatility there as well. I think he might be available in the second round for you if, if you're the Bears at pick 39, maybe you pick 48. So he could be a guy that the Bears could be looking at there, uh, staring him in the face on, on, on day two. Um, Cliff Victoria. It's really asked, hard uh, compared to Tyreek Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. People, people like to compare guys to Tyreek Hill really and hard. Kiki Gronk. And th- these guys are, are rare breeds, man. It's, it's hard to find guys that are going to be similar to these guys. Like the thing that Tyreek Hill does, what is he now, seven years in the league? They did as a rookie. It's it's amazing. I mean, that the 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 twitch. I mean, that guy's got his quick twitch fibers are just uncomparable. You can't find guys like that with that type of speed. Just just a burst to be able to run away from anybody and everywhere. So, uh, yeah. You're talking about Junior Olympian. What's that? Is it you're you're talking about Junior Olympian? You know, he was a Junior Olympic sprinter. He ran a ten one. Right. So I mean that, that that that's why it's it's really hard to compare with Tyreek Hill. Like I remember like watching Tyreek Hill in high school, and he was fast, but he wasn't a football player yet. And then he disappeared because he couldn't qualify. Ended up at Garden City Community College, and I was actually watching Garden City Community College for the quarterback that went to to uh, to Auburn, Nick. Uh, Nick, Nick it doesn't matter. Whatever. What? What? Bo Nix. No, 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 no. Nick, Nick Evans or some. It, it doesn't really matter because he's, you know, I was, you know, we, we needed to find a, a junior college quarterback potential. And, you know, they, they had this kid that was really athletic that could throw the ball a mile. So I'm watching him and he dumps the ball off to Tyreek Hill in the flat. And Tyreek Hill in like a, a, a blink of an eye goes from the flat to the end zone. I said, who the hell is that guy? Yeah. At that time, he had no interest. He had no offers. Nobody knew about him. I was like, that's that kid that, that disappeared. That's that kid that disappeared. You know, right. got really amped up. That's how he is. I mean, he's he's that kind of a of a player. It's just so rare to see a guy. Uh I think we had a we had a question about the the punter from San Diego State. Yeah, exactly. Cliff asked about uh this phenomenal punter. This guy's getting a lot of publicity. <laughs> this guy is this guy is a weapon. And this this uh, we might see a, a, a guy this guy might go in the third round. I mean that's that's how, how a weapon he is. I mean he, he's he's got 80 yard punts like nothing. He can also kick the uh, be a field goal kicker as well. Uh you know, he's he's that good. Now, I I think um O'Donnell is a is a free agent if I'm not mistaken. So, I'm I not think sure so too. The Bears can, if he's there in, in, in the fourth round, I mean, this guy is a weapon. This guy is, is, a, is a field-changing weapon. So, uh, you know, if, if, if some might say fourth-round pick on, on, a, on, a, uh, on a punter is, is too rich, 
Um, but I mean, tell you, if, if this guy can flip the field and you're going to be a team that's going to rely heavily on defense and a running game with, with some, some nice, you know, you know, uh, attacks in the, in the passing game, uh, this guy can be a huge weapon for you. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes, but he's, he's one hell of, he was one hell of a prospect and, and he's a pretty good athlete too. I think he ran a four, seven, six, 40 or something like that. So yeah, uh, he's, he's not, that. he's not just, you know, any, any, just uh, a guy just out there punting. He's a guy that, that can be a, an, an athlete and actually a, a nice weapon. Like I said. Yeah. Um, while we were talking about defensive tackles, uh, Ravi asked this question. Do you guys think collapsing the pocket from the middle will help make up for the loss of Khalil Mack? Yes. I think, like I said earlier, quarterbacks hate it when the pocket collapses in their face. They, they, they just can't stand it, especially the quarterbacks that are a little bit undersized, like the guys like Russell Wilson and, and Kyler Murray. You know, they, they get freaked out when they, when they see that pocket come in and collapse on them. Now, guys on the edge, you know, you can always chip on those guys. You can always, you know, run stunts in games to get the ball out of your hands quickly. But guys then collapse the pocket and then get close to you and then you have to rush the ball over because you remember if you can't get the ball we can't find a passing lane passing when you got to get out of there you got to escape and now you got your guys from the outside coming as well so you know that's where you know tom brady guys like that pocket passers they wanted drew Brees. they you know the saints they built their offensive line from the inside out because they wanted to give Brees a pocket to be able to step up into the pocket and get rid of the football you know because he had a, a quick enough mind to be able to read the separate defenses quick enough release to be able to get rid of the football in, in a nice you know timely manner so but just he needed some space some room and he built a nice pocket in front of him to step up into it and throw the football that's how Brees made a success that's how tom brady loved it, you know his success as well stepping up in the pocket being able to maneuver left and right slightly. So keeping that, that pocket in the middle clean for a quarterback is key. Collapsing it is where the, the quarterback gets gets all flustered and then you start some turning around, dropping his head, not looking downfield, you know, and then, then all of a sudden now everyone else is coming at him as well. So collapsing the pocket is huge for me in terms of pass rushing. All right, Leo, we've got another question here. Oops, I lost my place. There it is. Um, Ravi asked earlier, Bears can replace uh, – David Montgomery, this draft as well. They're talented halfbacks this year toward the end and middle of the draft. Paying a running back isn't happening, especially on this bad Bears team. Yeah, and Montgomery is under contract this season, but there's been a lot of talk about whether he his contract should be extended. He could be potentially asking 8 to $10 million a year, and in today's NFL, that seems to be a luxury. What do you guys think? If you're asking me, I, I, I'm, I love Dave Montgomery. Uh, uh, although you know for firsthand, I, I think this guy's a, is a, a bell cow running back. But I have a limit in terms of what I'm going to pay my my running backs, especially on a second contract. Look at these big, big second contracts for these running backs. Look at you know Ezekiel Elliott. You know, I, 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 the Cowboys are regretting that right now. You know, guys like uh, even Saquon Barkley. You know, I think th those are being regretted right now as well. So. Uh, you know, if, if Montgomery is and the Bears think they're not going to, you know, come to a, a, an agreement, uh, he's, I think it's, this is his last year, his fourth year on, on his on his rookie deal. So, you know, if he's going to be a holdout or, or malcontent, you know, you might have to go ahead and, and 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 trade him. And and at this point, what can you get for Montgomery? Maybe a third round pick. I'm not even sure if you can get that third round pick or not. But um, in terms of replacing him, there 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 is some depth in the later rounds of, of this draft at running back. But you have a guy right now, Khalil Herbert, who showed last year that he could be a guy that that could carry the load here. Uh, be, a, be a, a threat in the passing game and also be a guy that, that can be a, a, a you know predominant runner. So, um, you know, if, if that's the case, if they're going to move on from Montgomery, I wouldn't advise it. I just let him go and play out his contract and then just see what, what the market brings if, if it's too rich for, for your blood. Again, we talked about the, the salary cap going up. We talked with the, with the TV money. We talked about them clearing some space here. So maybe they, you know, if it's a reasonable ask by Montgomery, they, they, they come to a term here. 
but I, I, I wouldn't, I, it's very hard for me to give, give uh, running backs uh, their second contract. I'm just sorry. I love the guy, but the position is what it is. It's probably the easiest position to replace in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, you know, so I, I, you can get guys as undrafted free agents come in and make impacts here. So um, it, the more important thing is, is getting that offensive line, getting that quarterback, and getting those skill, skill position players on the outside. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, you know, I love Montgomery too. I don't know how many times I said that on the show previously that they need to keep feeding him the ball because you look at any time that we had success on offense, man, it was when they were feeding David Montgomery. The kids, the, the, the kids are our best player on offense, and the past you know couple seasons they would just would not give him the ball. If it, I mean, it, it, in terms of things that drove me absolutely mad, that's probably number one on my list <laughs> with, with, with what the Bears have done the past few years. But you know, uh, again, is is he special? Probably not. Is he really, really good? Absolutely. The Bears have shown a propensity over the, the course of my lifetime to not pay or appreciate their tailbacks. And so I'm not expecting anything to change on that route. But we got a new guy, you know, running the show here, and he's already made a big dick move, you know, today. Let's see what happens, you know, a year down the road. I want to see David Montgomery have an awesome year, prove that he's worth the money that, that he could get paid. Because I, I think he's worth the money that he could get paid. I think he's a damn good player. I think he's got great hands. I think he's got great vision. I think he's got great you know, body control, uh, and anticipation and patience. Uh, and he's, you know, as we've seen, worked on developing that seed, that, that speed from off season, off season, you know, he came in as a marginally, you know, you know, fast, uh, tailback worked his way into being actually like, you know, really good in the open field borderline breakaway speed guy. You know, he's added another element to his game that we didn't expect to get. So I want to see what he comes in with the season with, see how he performs, see how he, meshes and molds into the into the new offense i'll just take it from there i'm not i'm not making any moves i'm not forcing any moves forcing the hand so to speak you know on on david montgomery on, until we know what we have in the current you know offensive setup that we have i agree with everything that you guys have said and i'd like to add that the one thing about david montgomery that really appeals to me besides his his playing ability is that he is a leader this mm -hmm. guy is one of the best uh team leaders currently on the team and he seems to be getting better and better at it we saw last year how he talked about his how he would never relent and that he will not allow his teammates to relent and that's the type of guy you want in your clubhouse ryan poles has talked about that matt eberflus has talked about that guys that really love football that think about football all the time and uh, and Montgomery is that kind of guy. He was he was that guy at Iowa. We all remember the stories when he was drafted, that he would at night be working out all by himself. And then as the weeks went on, the coach shared with us, uh, Iowa coach shared with us that there were three or four more players at working out at 10 p.m. at the gym. And then uh, another week or two, there were 10, 15 players working out at the gym. And it was all because of David Montgomery leading those guys into those workouts. And that's what—that's the similar type of leadership he has brought to Chicago, and it's getting better and better every year as he becomes more comfortable talking to the other players, talking to the media, and so forth. I really love him for that, and because of that, I wouldn't—I I would seriously, seriously consider paying him a little bit more than you would like to pay for a running back because that's an invaluable trait to have. Well, taking it off of that. You know, one of the things that Poles said in his press conference leading into the combine, uh, you know, a few days back was, uh, you know, when, when he's talking about, um, you know, essentially setting the tone in terms of, of the culture, the leadership, 
Um, you know, he wants to bring in the right types of guys like on, on the front end. He wants to load the locker room with the right types of guys immediately to set the tone for the locker room. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's going to be. This is the way it's going to, to progress forward and not having this sort of like awkward, you know, transition period where you have some, some hang ons and, you know, there are some good leadership guys and, you know, the locker room becomes segmented and fragmented. You know, he, he, he wants to make sure he's got the right guys and the right guys, you know, go with. The, the, the leaders um that was, that was one of the things that i really loved about uh polls's uh um you know combine presser mm-hmm. last week was like he 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 has <laughs> he has the vision he has a plan he knows how he wants to structure it. it's just a matter of of you know getting those guys in place essentially and what he's going to do through this through this pre-draft process is find out which guys are the leadership potential guys which guys are the right locker room guys they have their head you know screwed on the right way uh, you know, good character, all those types of things. And if there's one thing that I know all those scouts that have, have been in that room since, you know, the, the, the previous, you know, uh, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, you know, era, is that those guys did a really good job of asking the right questions, finding the right individuals, loading the board with the right types of human beings to put into that locker room. And it's just a matter of, you know, the head guy making the moves to get those guys there. The one thing I'll add up, up with polls and something like that I've kind of, you know, kind of like, like listen to him talk. And one thing I've picked up of it, and, and I have a feeling that this guy knows the value of the offensive line and a defensive line. And I think, I think he came from Andy Reid and, and, and Brett Beach. And I think these guys, you know, they, they, they instilled in him the, the importance of offensive and defensive linemen. And that's the thing that Andy got known for in Philadelphia was always drafting offensive defensive linemen. You know, his, his first round picks were predominantly for, you know, offensive and defensive line. I think that's something that's something that I've been preaching for. That's something that that really is, is a, a breath of fresh air for me to to have a an executive that that feels the same way in terms of building that front, building that offense and defensive line, and everything else from there just flows naturally, right? Now you, you protect that quarterback. Now you can get after the opposing quarterback. You know that's the key there. If you have, I said earlier in the show, if your offense and defensive line are solid, you're gonna have a solid football team. I'm not saying you're gonna be a Super Bowl contender just because you still gotta get the quarterback and the, and the skill position skill positions, you know, correct. But you're going to have a solid football team. I think that's that's the way to build your team. Outstanding stuff, gentlemen. Um, did we at all mention uh, what Jordan Davis did at the combine? Yeah, you're one special <laughs> than me. A guy who's 341 pounds, ran a four was four six eight. Was it? I forgot the number, but it was four seven eight. Four seven eight. Insane. That's I mean. ridiculous. <laughs> I mean. Uh, this guy was probably a second rounder and I'd be surprised now if he uh, isn't in the top 20 of the first round. What do you guys think? Top 20 might, might be a bit rich. I mean, depending on the system, right? For me, he's still, I don't know how Neil feels, but for me, he's still a, a, a three, four nose guard. He's a guy that's, that's going to stand in the middle of a, of a defense and take on blockers two gap and all that stuff. That's why he did predominantly at Georgia. He's not a guy that, that fits this scheme uh, because he's not a guy that really is going to, athletically he shows a test well. But I just uh, watching this tape is not a guy that I think would, would would be beneficial for him to be able to just ask to shoot up gaps and, and just, you know, try and be offensive lineman one on one. So I, I know I could be wrong there, but I, I think his, his future is going to be as, as a nose guard and, and a three, four, you know, taking up blocks, you know, two gapping and being able to just, you know, take up space there in the middle mm-hmm. of the line. Agreed. Oh, you know, he's, not... we, we talked about it. What's that? No, just go ahead. Go, please go ahead. Oh no no no! I was I was just gonna say that I I agree and you know we we touched on the Georgia guys on the front end talking about Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis. Devontae Wyatt is more a fit for us because of his you know explosive tendencies and 
and and uh, you know he's quick twitch and everything else like that. Like you know Jordan Davis did some special things in terms of testing, you know in, in the combine. But when you watch the guy move in open space, he's not as fluid as you would think he would be with the special numbers that that he went ahead and put up. Right, you know he's he's definitely that interior guy that that is a that that is, that is a space eater inside. He does have some some really interesting, unique athletic traits, but he's not a a, a quick twitch athlete. He's not a he's he's not a backfield disruptor. He, he he's a guy that that will make some plays, you know, albeit, but you know, he's going to be a strong force in the middle. Um, Devontae Wyatt was de- you, you see you know what he's doing right here. Like he does have some some ankle stiffness. He doesn't yeah. quite have some some uh, hip explosion. You know, he run, he looks a little bit like he runs a little bit like he's he's laboring when he's actually moving and doing you know football stuff, mm. if that makes sense. Right. It, it takes a little bit of time for him to change direction. He labors yeah. a little bit. Right mm. now. Now, for 341 pounds, like you would say to yourself, yeah, well, that's actually pretty damn good. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. But, you know, in, in, in terms of special, uh, he, he's he, he does some special things in terms of testing. But I would say he's a special you know, athlete, a special player. Devontae Wyatt is way more of, of a, of a, uh, it definitely catches the, the apple of everyone's eye more than, than, than Jordan Davis. The, the one Georgia player that I think really kind of catapulted himself into top 10 is, is Trayvon Walker. I think, I think he is yeah. now, I mean, he, he tested well. I, I think I was going to knock him for his numbers, but you, you got to remember how they played him there at Georgia. They're, they're predominantly a, a three man front. They had him, you know, playing it, shading inside and, and two gapping at times and, and then rushing at other times and, rotating with other players. So I think Trayvon Walker, uh, who you know, came into this process as possibly a late first round pick. I think he's, he's squarely into that top 10, top 15 area now after what he did at the combine. Honestly, guys, just give me the whole damn Georgia defense. Just, <laughs> just give me, give me every single one of them. Can, can we that, do that? Give, yeah, give me the punter. Give me, give me Lewis sign. Give me Lewis sign at safety. Oh, I want Lewis sign in, in, in a heartbeat. Give, give me, uh, give, give him to me. at pick 39. I will take him at pick 39. Take, I'll take Quay Walker, a linebacker. I'll take, take Quay Walker. Yeah. <laughs> We'll do that. All right. I, I, I feel Mark. faster just watching those guys, man. <laughs> really? Cheat codes. They have cheat codes. Oh, man. <laughs> I can think of no better way to end this show by uh, posing this question that Laz actually posed in the chat. Uh, where will Mitch Trubisky land? Okay. He's going to load the code. I had to get off of Twitter last week because <laughs> the Mitch Trubisky love – it was just that. making me nauseous, and yeah. and and some of it was just. Did you block I mean, uh, Uncle Mike? Did you block Uncle Mike? <laughs> He's supposed to. <laughs> it it made no sense. I mean, uh, guys, so so a year of Trubisky sitting behind Josh Allen and hiding out in Buffalo. All of a sudden, we poof, we forget, we forget the the quarterback he was. I, I was gonna blame Matt Nagy again. Matt Nagy did the kid no favors, right? We agree, I, and I gave him that. But it wasn't Matt Nagy overthrowing our wide open receivers downfield. Matt Nagy underthrowing receivers downfield. Matt Nagy not being able to read defensive coverages in the pocket. Mitch Trubisky, the, the fact that he's the highly coveted quarterback, just again screams to why Neil and I were begging the Bears to go last year and get one of those five quarterbacks. And that way we don't you're not in this position now. The Redskins, oh, I'm sorry, the Commanders gave up two third round picks for Carson Wentz, who basically wet the bed. And, and, and kill the Colts' playoff chances. That's how desperate they are because it was going to be either you know Tyler uh, Taylor Heineke, Heineke or Trubisky or, or Wentz, and they figure, oh, let's go with Carson Wentz. Uh, it's it's just unbelievable. Uh, to answer the question, I, I think there's a chance he might go with, to the Giants, and then because Brian Dable is there, have a chance to compete with with Daniel Jones. I expect Daniel Jones to win that competition, but you know we'll see. You know, I, 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 Chris Ballard too smart of a GM to bring him in. 
and 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 rely on, on Mitchell Trubisky to be a starting quarterback when you have a, a, a team that's playoff ready and ready to go. So uh, I mean, there's been rumblings about a Kirk Cousins trade from Minnesota to 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 the Colts. So we'll see if that ever takes you know takes shape. But I, I obviously Chris Ballard, I, I have respect for him. I think he's a really damn good GM. I think he's got a plan. Uh, I just don't think that plan entails Mitchell Trubisky. I, I'll be shocked. You could have had him last year, right? Last year, everybody could. All thirty-two teams could have him last year. (laughs) Thirty-one teams. Thirty-one teams could have him last year. Sorry. (laughs) We we could have even still kept him as a backup. I would have kept kept him as a backup at least. It's 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 insane how people all of a sudden think it's it's like Mike Glenn all over again. Mike Glennon, oh, he's a guy that can come in. He can he could be a a starting quarterback. And we saw Mike Glenn as a starting quarterback, and that was horrible. It's it's just unbelievable. These guys go as backups, and people think that they're starters, and they're, they're just not. But he's gonna get he's gonna get signed. He'll, he'll probably be brought in to compete. Like I said, the Giants could be an you know, opportunity there for him. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But I mean, Neil, I don't know. Are, are you as tired of the Trubisky love as I am? I, I can't. Yeah, it's it, it's becoming way overplayed. You know, the all you know, some of the graphics that have come out. Oh, he's the only quarterback in the, the modern era that has you know passed for these many yards and and thrown these little interceptions and has a quarterback rating of this and. And has you know shot a deer and you know did all of it underneath the full moon and on a Tuesday in February. I don't care. I don't care. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't get it done while he was here. Is the the entire issue? Like yeah, like he did some nice stuff, but he wasn't all all the overthrows and the underthrows and you know he he should have run when in when when he didn't and when he didn't run he should have and it just. And, and and maybe it was just a, a complete you know cluster f upstairs because of, of you know the disconnect between you know Nagy and 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 Laser and who's calling plays and how he was developed and how he was you know game prep and everything else. Like I mean, let, let's be honest, the entire thing for the past four years was was a complete cluster f. It, it, it you know it, it's going to mess up anybody's development. So in, in in some ways, I do want to see the kid have a chance to start. Just so that we could shut all of this up. Yeah, I'm with just you. Shut it up. <laughs> it, because... it is an interesting storyline, you know. Uh, and and so I do want to see him with a different coaching staff, with a different team, and maybe a year on the bench has helped him and so forth. I doubt that he's going to be any, you know, a top quarterback. Uh, but you never know. I, I kind of enjoyed the storyline. But I'm with you guys. A lot of people speculating that, you know, he's going to be a top quarterback. There's just no way. I don't see it. Look at all these interceptions that he's thrown. You know, God forbid he actually has a good – God forbid he actually has a good, you know, second half of his career somewhere and becomes a decent starter. He becomes, like, you know, a, I don't know, Kirk Cousins or somebody that's very average but ends up having decent numbers. Kirk Cousins, man, put some respect on Kirk Cousins' name, man. He, he threw it for almost 5,000 almost 5, yards, uh, you know, only seven interceptions, thirty some touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a is a quality starting. He's a I great agree. quarterback, no, but he's a quality starting quarterback. I mean, look at some of these throws, man. Yeah, you should like that. Into into trouble coverage. I mean, just overthrowing guys. Look at that. It's, it's just what oh, that that's Matt Nagy right there making that throw. That's Matt Nagy's fault. Yeah, Matt, Matt Nagy threw a, a put a, a horrible system up there. But look at these throws. It's not even close. Yeah. And, 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 and people forget this. People forget this. You know, no, if, if some. Oh. If, if some magic happens, he turns into like a real quarterback for like the you know the, the last part of his career. Mike North will let us know about it every minute, oh my you know, every single day. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> well, I, I, exactly, you're right. 
I'm telling you right now, I, I, I will bet anything anybody wants to bet that this guy is not going to be. I mean, it's like I said, great kid, right? And and I feel like he was done wrong by Matt Nagy. He wasn't helped by Matt Nagy. But Absolutely. these are these are his throws. These are his his reads. These yeah, are his. It's, it's not Matt Nagy's arm out there. Pocket. This is not his problem. You know, this is not Matt Nagy's problem that he can MVP. make these you know, plays in the in the uh, in, in the Indian NFL. I just don't see it. And I, the, the teams that are that are just oh, and, and the, again, I think this might be more media hype and and, and blow up than anything. Um, but you know, for him to, I'd be shocked if some team says, right, you know what, you're going to come in here and you're going to be our starting quarterback. I'll be flat out shocked to see that. Will he come in very brought in like a team like, like a Giants and maybe compete? Uh, you know that that that's that could be a possibility. Uh, see if you can earn it, earn a job. But I, I don't see him winning, winning the, uh, being a starting quarterback. Oh, God. All the talking heads think he's going to beat out Daniel Jones. I don't think he would. I don't think it would beat out Daniel Jones. My next question is is in this this quarterback domino, right? We got Aaron Rodgers, we got Russell Wilson. My next question is, where is Deshaun Watson going to go? I know, I know they uh, jail. <laughs> well, we'll see. The grand jury, here's, I think, here's his case tomorrow. Friday is is, is when tomorrow. I think. Yeah. So if there's any closure there, I think Watson's the next next one to go. And I think teams like the Colts, Steelers, I've heard, you know, um, you know, some of these teams that, that are quarterback needy, quarterback hungry, you know, they could be making a play for for Deshaun Watson. So. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there, but yeah, I mean th- that's that's my next domino is is, is where is, where is Watson going to play next year? Oh my goodness, I put up that highlight reel of interceptions when Mike and I were doing a show together, and, and I can tell he was getting pissed off. He goes, "Oh, now put the put the highlights and put the touchdown oh, passes," and I go, "I can't yeah. find them, Mike." Yeah. <laughs> it's lost in between all this other garbage. I can't quite find them. <laughs> oh, but you know. And, and the funny thing about Mike, and we probably shouldn't be talking about him behind his back, but when uh, Trubisky was drafted, he didn't want him. He, I want Deshaun Watson. This is another stupid bear. But it was when Trubisky showed up in that Ditka uniform that all of a sudden, because Mike loves uh, <laughs> Ditka so much, all of a sudden he started to change his tune. This kid gets it. He's a leader and so forth. And then as week and week went on, the weeks went on, he just fell more and more in love with them. So – I, uh, you know, I wish Mitch well, like uh, you guys have said, he's a great guy. Uh, he deserves yeah. good things, but I just don't see it. I just do not see it, man. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Another great show. It's funny. It's it's just hilarious. I, 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 I lost my freaking mind last week when I saw all the Mitch love. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my schedule. Yeah, it was nonstop, are we, too. Are we back next week? Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be the day after the actual official league year starts. So oh, yeah, seventeenth. Oh, yeah. uh, so obviously the the the, t- the legal tampering. I, I love these these you know these professional leagues now. They have legal tampering legal windows. Legal tampering. Yeah, most of these deals are already done. But you know, at, at the combine, a lot of these these you know trades and uh, free agent signings have already been done. So, um, you know, that, that that's the thing. I, I want to see what the what the Bears do in terms of you know free agency. How they're gonna go out there and make make a splash? I, I doubt they make a splash. You know, day one, day two. But you know, who are they gonna target? Are they gonna target an offensive lineman? Are they gonna go, you know, with, with a guy like I've been talking about? You know, Dwayne Brown. You know, um, um, Eric Fisher, a guy the Colts who are not gonna bring him back. You know, so that that tells me that Eric Fisher's got a deal out there with someone with, with, with a team. You know, uh, you know, obviously uh, Poles was there with the Chiefs when 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 they drafted Eric Fisher. So is there a connection there with with Poles and Fisher? So you know, are they going to go out there and secure that veteran left tackle right away? Um, are, are they going to dabble in free agency in terms of the receivers? Guys, we, we did a whole show almost two hours on. We haven't mentioned the cornerback position. A dire need for, at, at both nickel 
and at outside corner. So, you know, that, that's an area that, that the Bears are going to have to address as well. Do they address that in free agency? Now, J.C. Jackson was going to be the top, the top uh, corner as, as a guy that, that I would not pay big money to because you're not, you're, not you're not a top corner away from being a Super Bowl tam- championship team, so I wouldn't go there. But, you know, you know we got to see the market. What does a Stephon Gilmore make? What does a guy like Carlton Davis make? You know, do, do they fit your scheme? Are you going to be able to bring in a veteran like a Casey Hayward on, on a one-year deal? And could he be a guy that would be a stopgap? While you draft a guy in the second, maybe third round, and have him develop behind a, a veteran like that, you know. So I'm curious to see. You know, by next week, we should have some inkling in terms of what the Bears are going to do, in terms of what they're going to attack in free agency, or, and what they're going to attack via the draft. So uh, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating. I'm going to be uh, very eager to to see what happens. By the way, yeah. go ahead, uh, Neil. You had a thought. Oh well, I mean. To be honest, I, I'm, I'm interested in seeing how Thomas Graham and Kendall Vildor fit in. But, um, I mean, Thomas Graham was a guy that I was very high on last year. And a lot of teams were really high on coming out of his, out of his uh, uh, 2019 season. But, you know, he sat out 2020 and, kind of, it, you know, kind of got lost in that out of sight, out of mind, you know, sort of thing. And and uh, fell down draft boards that way. But he had a really impressive senior bowl. And he came on the last, you know, couple, like two or three games this season, made a bunch of plays. Um, I, I think the, I really think it's just beginning for Thomas Graham. I want to see him actually have a spot or ha- have a shot to have a spot at that number two quarterback cornerback, uh, you know, position. Um, and that's why I don't, I don't think a uh, corner is as high on the board as, you know, some of these other positions. I think strong safety is a hell of a higher than the corner. I like Graham too. And I think he's a, he's a guy that, that wasn't given a fair shot last year. Remember he was coming off that, that year of at Oregon. And then he was, yeah, he was on practice squad, and he came up and he, he made some plays. Um, I, I mean, if anything I mean, I, put the nail in the coffin for Nagy. It was keeping him on practice squad the entire damn year. I mean, we don't have any function bodies out there. Right. And, and the other <laughs> thing was, and uh, the other thing was what with the you know everyone was talking about his Minnesota game, but I think for me it was a Seattle game where he got beaten that first play for that touchdown by Metcalf, but then came back and bounced back and and mm-hmm. then pretty much helped Metcalf to to you know not many yards after that. So that to me proved his gumption, his ability to bounce back and. And, and the cornerbacks is a position where you're going to have to have a short memory in terms of, you know, how, when you got burned, you got to come back next play and forget about it. So I think that proved to me a lot. But, I, but again, you're talking about just, just three guys there, that position, you're going to have to bring in some, some players, you know, a veteran and, and a draft pick probably, you know, you're going to have to have, you know, four or five corners on that roster. So, you know, with, with Graham there competing with maybe a veteran like Casey Hayward, may, may, maybe you bring in a, a rookie, but you got to address that position again, Another another position on this team that's going to be uh, of need. So uh, now they're going to be playing more, possibly more off man. This defense is generally more off man coverage. But if you do the number crunch on uh, Ibrufluus last year with the Colts, he played a, a more man to man coverage. So he's got his own little twist on this on this defense. So we'll see how, how it goes. But but if I'm going into this draft and I'm scouting corners for the for the Bears, I'm looking at guys that play a lot of off man coverage. Guys that can you know, plant their heels, click and come, come downhill and be able to wrap up and tackle. Those are the guys I'm looking at here in this upcoming draft. And we'll have a show where we break down the corners for, for this bear scheme. So that's going to be a position that, that you're going to have to attack as well. You know, the thing about it is, I think it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the thing about it is, you know, what's crazy is that the corner room is one of the few rooms on this roster where there's to actually be in the seats right now. <laughs> I mean, the, the wide receiver room is empty. The safeties room is empty. The offensive line room is empty. The you know D lineman virtually empty. You know we, we got quarterbacks, we got running backs, we got tight ends. 
We 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 need bodies, man. The the, the the cupboard is bare right now. We need to resign guys. We need to draft well. We and with the the few amount of picks that we have, draft the right ones. We had a hit on every single one of them. But mm-hmm. depth is going to be. It's, it's not just it's not just about finding playmakers moving forward. I said on on previous shows like this this roster is going to be a little bit rough around the edges, you know, for this first year. Expect big things in 2023. 2022 is going to be a little rough on the edges unless unless you know polls you know polls is able to you know work some magic you know sprinkle some pixie dust on some stuff and all of a sudden we end up with picks and signees and everything else money comes out of you know somebody's pockets um you know i'm, I'm expecting us to to you know do enough to be competitive but it's not gonna be a wholesale change 2023 we're gonna have a ton of money under the cap and we're gonna have butts in rooms you know you know positions are gonna be full we're gonna have a ton of picks um, I'm looking forward to that. Let, let's, but you know, from now on, until August, the big thing is to build depth, sign back the right guys that we need to function, right, and then hit on every single one of these draft picks. That's critically important. Yeah. So one of the okay, so, so Flu said that that they've identified guys on on this defense that that they're going to be you know building around. Obviously, I think we all yeah. agree. Jalen Johnson is one of them, right? Uh, Roquan Smith is Rokon, one of them. Yeah. Uh, we assume Robert Quinn is is a one of them, right? Um, so is there anybody else that you guys think that, that these guys have identified the coaching staff as, as guys that they're going to be part of this defense moving forward? Um, I, I think Travis Gibson is one. Yeah, right. Yeah. Travis Gibson, he, he actually is the, the type of, you know, defensive end and the system that they're running that fits, which is why I think they were comfortable with letting go of, of Khalil, not only because his contract is bloated, not only because he's not been available, and because he's declining and banged up, but they also have a guy that is coming off of a pleasantly surprising year, rushing the passer in terms of production. We're going to, you know, it, it's it's hard. I know everybody's kind of butthurt a little bit, right? Everybody's kind of like, oh shit, I can't believe we got we just got rid of our favorite player. We we went through this last year with the Cubs. They got rid of Rizzo. They got rid of Baez. They got rid of Schwarber. They got rid of they, they got rid of the whole gang. It's for the better, and, and the, the the team is much better for it moving forward. And now we have an opportunity to steal three out of the top 79 picks. I mean, that, that's, that's absolutely freaking huge. We got we got Gibson coming off one edge. We got Quinn coming off the other edge. I think in terms of defensive ends, I feel pretty comfortable. Yes, we need, to, we need to establish depth. But in terms of guys that fit, those two guys definitely fit. Three technique is the one position on the defensive line where I'm just kind of queasy about right now. If they if they decide to re-sign Bilal Nichols, that means they feel comfortable about his ability to play that position. And then we don't have to worry about that on day two. Right, we can go ahead and and, and uh, tackle the offensive line, tackle uh, you know wide receiver, strong safety, linebacker, whatever we need to tackle on on day two to make sure we have those positions taken care of. Dane Trevathan's getting old, and he's not getting any better. That's definitely a position we need to make sure we we lock in. I wouldn't mind having Alec Ogletree back, resign that guy. He's shown to be functional in coverage, and he's There's actually made made some plays that. What's that? One guy, one guy in fridge to keep an eye on linebacker. That's Anthony yeah. Walker Jr. Oh, 100 percent Northwestern. Uh, he's kid. a guy I think they're going to bring in. He's a guy that was with Iberflus in Indianapolis, had a career year, I think 139 or something like that tackles. It's not Love even more. And and then went to Cleveland on a one year deal. He's a free agent. I think he's a guy that's familiar with the system, knows knows the coaching staff. I think he'll be bringing and he'll be a guy that's going to be lined up in middle linebacker and they're going to shift Brooklyn out, out to weeks at linebacker. I think that's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, possibly the Bears targeting and, and free agent Anthony Walker from the former Northwestern uh, Wildcat. Here's a quick list of the. Uh, the uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. I'll keep cutting you off, man. It's all right. Uh, I'll say the, uh, the two. Um, 
Joe Thomas and uh, the other kid, the, the recent signings, that, that that might be an indication that they're looking to let Al Ogletree walk. I think about well, Joe, it. Joe Thomas is, is primarily a special teams guy. So he's a, he's a guy that that's not going to be, be vying for a starting job with, with the Bears. I think he's going to be brought in for depth and, and guy who's going to be on, on special teams. That's what he's done with the Ravens. That's what he did with the Packers when you, when you broke in. So I, I don't, I don't think Joe Thomas is going to, going to, you know, um, mm-hmm. play, play a role in terms of you know, being a potential starter. But I think obviously Roquan, I think, I think you get um, you know, Anthony Walker, um, there's another kid that that that's from uh, from the Colts and, and, and number 44, and his, his name is uh, Zaire Franklin. Is a guy from Temple uh, that pl- played some some strong style linebacker for the Colts as well. He's a, he's a guy that's going to be like one of those two tier two tier three free agents. Not a, not a you know premier name, a guy you can bring in for depth and also possibly starting at strong side if you don't find a kid in the draft. So you know guys like that is is, is who I see they're going to probably try and attack here in free agency. I just wanted to share with you a quick uh, list of free agent defensive ends, defensive linemen. Uh, I noticed that they got uh, Akeem Hicks on this. He's not a defensive end, but Dante Fowler Jr., Khalil Campbell, Jason Pierre-Paul. These are guys that are probably – well, D- Dante Fowler is only 27 years old, but there's no way they're going to pay $15 million or so for him. As we scroll down this list, Jerry Hughes, Mario Akba. Emmanuel Agba is a name you keep an eye on. A guy who can play a 4-3 end. Uh, has, has been productive the last couple of years. I think he had sacks last season. Year. Yep. So, you know, it, that could be a guy to keep an eye on is, is Emmanuel Agba. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I know Derek Barnett is a guy who Philly, you know, initially created, you know, some buzz with, with his pass rush ability. But he's a guy that, that last year I think only had one sack or two sacks last year. So, you know, if you get him on, on a cheap, that could be a guy that can come off. I know that I know you're pointing out there the kid, the kid from uh, from the Colts, uh, uh, Muhammad. Uh, he's a guy that didn't okay. had six sacks last year, but I think he's more of a rotational guy. You know, so if you see him, they bring him in as a depth guy and, and possibly being a guy that that's going to rotate in with the um, with with Gibson and and, and Quinn. I, I could see that, but if you want to bring in some impact guys, I mean, I mean those are you know like the, the Agba and goes like that are going to be guys that can come in and, and actually buy for a starting position. But I, I don't think they're gonna. They, I don't think personally. I don't think they're gonna go f- uh, defensive end and free agency. I think they're gonna attack this position in the draft because I think there's a lot of guys that fit their scheme that they liked at the combine. And I think you know, no surprise here, right? That they made this trade after they saw all these guys at, at, at the combine. So I think they they've targeted some guy maybe you know, round three or something like that where they're gonna go ahead and, and and bring him in and he's gonna be their future. There a guy that's gonna be probably rotating in. With the with the with Gibsons and, and and Robert Quinns and all that stuff, so I think I think for agency, I think they're going to attack receiver, offensive line, um, you know, maybe cornerback, maybe linebacker. I I, I don't think they're going to bring in a defense because you know pass rushers they cost money, right? So you know, are you going to go out there and, and give uh, you know even if it's Ogba, if it's you know 10, 12, 15 million, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just don't see them doing that right now. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. Again, a week from today, we'll have a little bit more answers. Uh, so we'll see what's going on. But well, the one thing I did see today on Twitter was a little bit worrisome was, was the Minnesota Vikings are going to have some interest in Akeem Hicks. Mm-hmm. And Ed Donatel there is a defensive coordinator. Obviously, Donatel with the Bears here, they have that, you know, that connection, him and Hicks. So seeing Hicks come back, uh, motivated Hicks, uh, healthy Hicks against the Bears uh, offensive line, that's, that's going to be a little scary for Justin Fields, in, in my opinion. You see him twice a year. So. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully that doesn't, doesn't come to fruition, but that's a uh, Vikings are, are sniffing around Akeem Hicks. We are uh, probably going to start hearing a lot of news about free agency on Sunday. I know the NFL Network is uh, uh, 
doing their coverage about free agency frenzy starting on Sunday, but so are we. And it starts with the Barfly Tailgate Show. Those guys are getting together at 9 a.m. in the morning. They'll start talking about what they have, uh, uh, what they'll share their speculation as to what the Bears could be doing via free agency. Aaron Kearns, who's a big draft lover, he's going to be sharing some of his observations on draft picks. He'd like to see the the Bears uh, make a move on. And then uh, if anything big breaks in, uh, we'll collect some of our barroom experts here and we'll get on and comment on it. Uh, four years ago, I'll never forget, when Khalil Mack was traded to the Chicago Bears, we came in and we had thousands of people join us because everybody was so excited about the news. Um, who knows? There might be a, uh, some big acquisition. Perhaps Ryan Pose could, could surprise us with something spectacular. And if he does, you better believe the Barroom Network will be here. Guys, any final thoughts? I'll start with you, Neil Stopchinski. Yeah, you know, a lot of fun being on with you guys. I'm I'm, I'm hoping that uh, everybody in the chat had a good time with the show. Um, you know, next week I'll have a couple other guys that uh, we didn't get a chance to get around to today. Some uh, interesting, uh, you know, evaluations that I've, I've come across ever since the combine. Like Chris Paul from Tulsa and Spencer Burfer from UTSA I think are really interesting. We'll – We'll break down those guys in more detail next week, as well as some other guys that uh, we both want to get into. Me, Danny and I wanted to get into in terms of wide receivers and corners and safeties and all those other positions. Because we've been talking about uh, offensive line so much, but it is a dire need and we've been doing it for a reason. But outside of that, you guys know where to find us. Smash those like buttons, comments, share the podcast, blow us up. We're glad you're here. We do this for you. It's enjoyable. Hit us up in between shows. Let us know who you want us to talk about. Ask us whatever questions you need to ask us. Uh, give us follows. And uh, as always, just glad to be here. Yeah, as for me, I'm same thing. I'm excited. Uh, get, getting ready to finally get some 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 movement here with the Bears. Saw the, the Mac trade today. Uh, free agency starts this Sunday, or the, the tampering window starts this Sunday. So we'll hear names and, and, and guys that they're targeting or could be targeting. So uh, and, that, and once, you know, once that starts rolling and then we're going to start taking some look at some of these needs and say, all right, maybe it's not that high of a priority now. Right. So maybe if they go sign two linebackers, maybe a linebacker is going to, you know, kind of be pushed down to the back burner there and in, in the draft, in, you know, in terms of that. So that way allows me and Neil to be able to focus a little bit more, you know, specifically on their, on their needs and, and, and players that fit their scheme and all that stuff. So right now we're just kind of going through all this, this, this big, you know, big board and, and, all, and all the positions and we're just, like Neil talked about you know, a corner where we have like three or four bodies actually in the room. So receiver, when you have two bodies in the room, so those are going to be kind of sticking out there. And we're going to have to just kind of dive deep into those positions and just give you some names and guys that fit these, you know, this offensive system and guys that fit this, you know, defensive scheme system. So, but once free agent starts, you know, happening with, once we see some guys signing, you know, then now we'll kind of get a little bit better focus in terms of what the bears are going to be looking for. And if, if you guys, you know, see players and, and, and want us to go ahead and review them, you know, break down with some film of them. If we can get a hold our hand on, on the tape, we'll, you know, bring them down here on, on draft on tap and we'll break them down and you guys can participate in the chat. So yeah, like Neil said, hit us up, you know, like us, do all you got to do on, on Twitter, Facebook and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, if you want to give me some names, guys that you want me to scout, I'm at D shimon 56 at D that's D S H I M O N five, six. Let me know who you want me to scout. I'll grab some tape and we can break them down here. Uh, me and Neil can break them down here on, on tape and we can, you know, have you guys participate. So we appreciate you guys joining and, and participating and giving us all this, uh, all these names. Yeah. Like me or all said earlier in the show, you guys are, we, we get some of the smarter football people here in, in, in the bar room. So, uh, we, and we like that and, and we want you guys around. We want you guys participating in the show. So 
there's anybody you want us to scout, go ahead. And one one quick shout out to Aaron Current AC. I know you like Kentucky, man. We got a couple of Kentucky boys on 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 the on both <laughs> offensive and defensive line. I want you to come on the show. So this is an invite, AC. If you're out there listening, this is a personal invite for you to come on a uh, draft on tap and let's talk Kentucky football, bro. AC, yeah. I'm actually going to say positive things about Kentucky guys. All right, Woo! you're going to want to hear it. I'm going to say positive <laughs> things about Kentucky guys. I was born in Louisville. That, that big Echoes stuff. Kid, that Echoes big stuff. intrigues me. That defensive end Echoes intrigues me now. I'm going to. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, gonna isolate how his this clip. Off the charts. Yeah. I'm gonna isolate this clip for Aaron so that he can hear what you guys have to say. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. All right, everybody. Uh I think we've said it all uh for Danny Shimon and Neil Stopchinski. My name is Aldo Gandia. We will be back we, we will be here next week. And uh and don't forget the Barfly Tailgate show on Sunday. Take care, everybody.